Hey all mighty listeners and welcome to episode 67. This week we have the pleasure of being joined by Baz Watkins, aka Anfarius, and he's going to join us through the hobby desk uh, all the way through to Into the Wilds, where we'll be talking about sculpting um, and the incredible work he does um, bringing old characters back to life. Otherwise we'll be going through our hobby desks where I'll talk about some space moves, and Dan's going to talk about the various projects he's been working on, and uh, Baz is going to tell us a little bit about what he's been getting up to with the Deceiver. We move on to 40k and uh, Age of Sigma, where we discuss the incredible releases that we've seen there. And then in the community section, Baz is going to give us the lowdown on some of our favourite pieces that he's done. Um, some really interesting tips, especially on how to do teeth. I found that incredibly interesting. And then into the worlds, we talk about aliens and marshmallows, which is a strange combination, but I'll let you wait and find out what that's about. So grab some refreshments and join us for episode 67. Hi guys and welcome to episode 67 and this time we are joined by the sculpting legend Baz Watkins aka and Fanfariarius. We're going to hear the story about how that came about now I think. <laughs> you want to hear the story? Yeah let's do it. <laughs> yeah, let's All right okay it. we'll get in early right okay well um, <laughs> the, the, the simple story is um that uh, yeah, I was trying to get. I think it was a handle for a game, just a name. And I was speaking to a good friend on the phone, and uh, yeah, he mentioned a name Amphiaris, which is uh, like I say, it's like a historical kind of like legend, uh, a yeah, warrior yeah. type thing. And uh, yeah, I misspelled it. I heard him. Well, I misheard him. Uh, and uh, Amphiaris is what it was, but Anfarius, Amphiaris. I'm happy either way because, like I say, I don't even know how to spell it properly, so I'm good. <laughs> it's very close to Alfarius. <laughs> yes, yes. I was. That's something that people do say a lot, and they, I'm happy for it to be as close to that as possible. Brilliant. Brilliant. It's Alfarius in disguise, which is very apt, <laughs> isn't it? Yes. <laughs> so um, we'd be. Well, I'd love to hear what you've been working on over the last coming couple of months. Have we noticed um, a rather spiffing? um necron deceiver which is a, such an old model but you, you're just bringing it back to life dude oh thank you man um yeah it's um it's something i was approached by um uh 40 hours uh 40k yeah and red eagle studio um bobby um and they simply reached out and said would we be you know would i be interested in kind of like lending a hand and it's such a good cause. It really is. Um, yeah. And I would, you know, especially nowadays, I think it's really important, you know, that we focus on mental health. And I just thought, you know what? Yes. Yeah. And I was lucky enough to draw the deceiver. Um, and like you say, it's kind of like it's a tired sculpt. I don't like to speak ill of like, you know, Games Workshop sculpts in a sense, but it's it's tired and, you know, it just... I thought we could maybe give it a bit of a facelift. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And, and you've kind of gone, well, when you look at a, a screenshot of it, we've got one up on the screen now. We've gone almost to video without it being. <laughs> but but uh, there's there's virtually nothing you haven't done something to on it. 
Um, yeah, um, I, I kind of I work a lot off of artworks, you know, iconic artworks. Um, yeah, mainly in the codexes, right? I think everybody looks through a codex and you'll see an image and it sticks with you mm. pretty much out of every codex, but you've all got your favorite codex and you all have your favorite pictures from that codex. And um, this is kind of one that stuck with me. There's a distinct one of a Nightbringer. Um, you know, he's flying over a cityscape. That looks amazing. I'd love to tackle that one day. But the deceiver was this one. Um, I've kind of changed the facial features a bit more. Um, and I'm waiting on some new hands um, to give him a really creepy look. Um, so he's going to have some nice clawed fingers, um, which I think I'm going to steal off of a... Now, forgive me. I think it's like it used to be called a Strigoi vampire. Mm, Flesh oh yeah. courts? Yeah. yeah. Is that the ones? The, there we go. The Wonderful. Yes. Yeah. yeah. So I think there's one on a zombie dragon. So I think I'm going to take the hands off of him. Oh, yeah. And he's going to be kind of like proper creepy. And then, um, yeah, it, then once we're past that, I'll try and remember what end of a brush to use to paint it. So <laughs> <laughs> I like, um, so uh, that's, is that, is that a piece of brass sheet that's coming up around in there? It is. It is. So, to give that, to keep him up, I suppose, being a key thing. Yeah. It, well, it's fortunate. He's made out of fine cast, so he's quite light. Um, so with this piece, it was a case of um, I needed to obviously keep him levitated. That's the kind of look mm. he has. So in behind that brass sheet is a um, a paperclip essentially, mm. that I've drove up all the way up through to his calf muscle, in through mm. his toe. Sounds painful, right? But through yeah, his toe, does. up through into the calf muscle. So that's got a, a kind of nice, maybe, I don't know, maybe half an inch that's pinned in through. And then I've gone straight into the base. Um, the brass sheet, I implore everybody to do this. The brass sheet is a tomato puree tube. Nice. Ah, Okay. So you'll cut it. Now be careful because obviously you get some proper sharp corners. It's a thin metal. So cut it open, flatten it out, and then obviously clean it down properly. Um, and just lightly sand to take all the paint, all the covering, all the protective layers off the, fr off the top. And then you've got yourself the brass sheet for days. It's cost you nothing anyway. So, yeah, mm. it's a really useful thing for cloaks, tabards, um, to uh, Tarages, is it? Yeah, is it Tarages? You know, the little flappy things around the arms and around people's waist normally. So, yeah, yeah, I, I couldn't recommend that enough. It's a free thing, really. I, I assume everybody uses tomato puree, or if they don't, it costs a pound. Uh, yeah, it's often used for making pizzas around here. So, <laughs> <laughs> it's some, um, I certainly. <laughs> It's quite an extreme way to tackle gap filling on a fine cast model, mind back. Uh, <laughs> <you know? laughs> yeah, I was yeah, just exactly. thinking there's a meme in there somewhere, isn't there? Well, <laughs> you know what? I think, you know, honestly, ironically, you've actually hit my origins. So I started off by filling gaps. Yeah. You know, yeah. I'm asked quite a lot about the smoothness, how I keep it smooth. I actually learned that from filling a bazillion gaps. Yeah. on older forgewood models because they are notorious for not getting the right joins or if you're old enough you've worked with metal models yeah yeah you worked with them you know fine well that when you put something up against each other it's not going to fit you know so yeah the, the old metal dreadnought 
Oh, yeah. <laughs> I could. Uh, yeah, there was. There's so many that you could name, but it's uh, specifically if it was anything organic. You know, if it was like a musculature mm-hmm. and they were fitting together, there was no chance. So that's how I really came across. You know, green stuff myself, and it's kind of just blossomed from there, really. Wow, it's, the, it's the really face is amazing nice. on the Deceiver. It's really superb. I, I always kind of felt the Deceiver was a bit, in my mind, was a bit like Sauron when, you know, the yes. younger. Yeah. So, you know, he's not overtly, doesn't look nasty. It almost yeah. looks a little bit comical. Um, but he's twisting everything. Yeah, well, that's it. I think it's it's very kind of like, with the original sculpt, it had a kind of like a joker, a jester appeal to it. Yeah. Which at the time it was wonderful, you know. Everybody kind of loved the when the the gods themselves kind of came out, and it was amazing. But um, I think just a hint at the fact that his nature is turns nasty. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. You know, he's always got that kind of that kind of like long story, like long view on things. And he's just looking to manipulate, irrespective. He's just looking to manipulate. So that's hopefully the kind of vibe that we're going with with this guy. And and uh, it will follow through on the paint, I hope. I've got a plan, but it doesn't mean it's going to work. <laughs> <laughs> so with the face then, so because um, yeah. I noticed this about the Corn Lord that you did as well, where you've taken a, an existing model and then sculpted over the face. Yeah, yeah. So is that, do you do you just sculpt straight on over the face or do you cut bits back or, you know, what's the thinking there? So with faces, um, I mean, I'll just say it right now. Obviously what you see isn't necessarily my first attempt at a face in the sense of I've probably tried the deceiver's face about three or four times. It's not something I kind of go, yay, and put on and that's it. But, but you're right. What I do is I actually shave back all the features. Um, so I'll take the cheekbones back allows you to build expression you know when you're smiling they're raised when you're shouting Mm -hmm. they're also raised but obviously you've got a lower jaw so that kind of gives you the the kind of ability to drive an expression in i think Mm. but it also means that i don't have to right now whilst i'm still learning is to tackle you know eye position nose position it's all there for me i've just shaved it back to a point where i go think i can build on top of this now um so yeah that's you're very much correct it's a case of i'll just shave it slightly back i don't cut it back what i do is i just use the flat of the knife to scrape it back yeah and i feel like that gives you more control Mm. um and then you know with the angry characters especially the likes of the corn lord um he's very angry yeah he's very angry but it's i find it much easier to do the subtleties Mm. are the difficult parts yeah yeah. Um, so the angry bits, it means, you know, you, you've, you can kind of put the creases in around in the eyes, the frown on the brow, and it's instantly recognizable as somebody, you know, that's obviously a little bit angry. Um, and then it <laughs> depends, and then it depends how far you want to push it really, you know? Yeah. I always think the, uh, the slaughter priest, um, in age of Sigmar oh. that he, he's angry because he, he wants to be good, but he's actually rubbish in combat. Yeah. Whereas yeah. this guy does not look like he's rubbish in combat. He looks like he's going well, to kill you. But I mean, so, I mean, the slaughter priest, that's um, the slaughter priest head that I shaved uh, down and put onto. And it was, I just built upon um, something that Games Workshop absolutely nailed. And they nailed it. They really did. That slaughter priest is just, yeah, it's a stunning piece. I, I think my, one of my favorite 
models ever, and I know we've spoken about this on the podcast before, but um, is the is the um, the Chaos Lord from um, Silver Tower? Oh, I forgot oh, the Dark Oath Chief. The Dark Oath Chief. Oh yes, and it is entirely because of the subtlety in his face. Yeah, um, and you can read the expression in a number of different ways, but basically underlying it is just contempt for anything he's facing. <laughs> so, right, exactly. But you can you drive. I mean, you personally drive that narrative, right? Yeah, whether it's amusement or whatever. Exactly. But the face is so beautifully subtle that the rest yeah. of the model just almost acts as a frame for that that single piece. Yeah, very much so. So um, we are going to come back to some more of your work, Baz, um, yeah. la- later on. Uh, but for now, Ben, I'd like to hear a little bit about... No, I don't really want to hear about it. Actually, <laughs> but, but we ought to hear about your Space Wolf site. So uh, go on then. What have you been doing? It's it's actually been a, a, <laughs> a painful month in some ways. So I uh, I finished that batch that I started a couple of months ago. Um, which was the the ten Terminator Wolfguard Terminators, uh, the ten Assault Intercessors done up as Blood Claws, um, five um, Swift Claws on bikes, and um, six Wolfguard in power armor. So a nice big batch. Got them all done, and then I was like, right, um, I got a few bits. I want to round off the rest of my force. And I was in my head. I was like, I finished my company. Now it's just tanks. I've just got a few more things to do, and. Um, so I thought, what I'd do is I'd, <laughs> yeah. I got the I got the bits box out, and I I bought I bought um I don't know why I bought um a box of of blood claws, but I had anyway. And I bought I put I got all my bits out, and I was like, well, so I'll, t- I'll bring up that six man grey hunter squad to ten, and then I thought, oh, I'll make I'll make the the ten man blood claw squad I've got to fifteen, so it matches the other one. And then I was like, well, that's an awful lot of blood claws. I need more grey hunters. Anyway, by the time we'd finished, right, I, I've now in the middle of assembling another <laughs> another another 40 grey hunters <laughs> and um and five sky claws. Um I've got f- oh no, so I bought the I bought the blood claws box because I was wanting to do five wolf guard with jump packs and uh and shields and thunder hammers, right? So I could because I just think that looks badass. And uh, anyway. And in the end, I've got, I've got another squad of long fangs as well. So I've just gone mental because Jeez. I've managed to t- convince myself because this is one of the problems. And we often talk about how sometimes it feels a bit limiting to be told exactly what's in a company because you can just go nuts otherwise. Well, they don't tell you what's in a space wolf company. And it's bad news because I know it's bigger. But how much bigger is a space wolf company? So now I've got... <laughs> And, yeah, and but you—it's been growing. <laughs> it's been growing, man. It's you, ludicrous. You've been yeah. like, you've been, yeah. It's just been getting bigger and bigger and bigger so ever I've, since the project started. I've now got. Um, it's actually going to be more than two hundred, but it, oh. it's two. It's it's a two hundred strong company, um, or will be when it's finished. But actually, the Wolfguard <laughs> are represented in both Power Armor and Terminator Armor. And in fact, 10 of them will also be on Thunderwolf. So it'll be an extra, it'll be about 230 models. Oh, Basically, geez. I've gone mad. Is, is, uh, but I've just got so excited about them. I was like, I need, I want a massive, like, Ragnar company. And what's great, though, is this has been like, Space Wolves have been your thing, certainly yeah. the whole time I've known you. Um, and that is more than long enough. So 
It's um, <laughs> it is it is absolutely super that this is coming together. I'm so excited, and the and as well, like the the paint quality on it. Once that's all together, that that is going to be a serious achievement, a really serious achievement, because it is okay. it, it it looks cracking, looks really nice. You know, there's there's individual models that you pick up and really want to pour over. Um, but mm-hmm. also there's going to be freaking loads of them, <laughs> yeah. isn't there? So it's really great. The thing is, as well, is like you, your passion for them shines through. And, I, you know, I don't just say that lightly because with an army of that size, it's really easy to kind of bog yourself down. Um, as you've rightly said, you know, you're continuously increasing things, but, you know the the attention that you're spending on each model in especially character wise it shines through so you know and i'll be honest i wholesalely approve of any space wolf action so <laughs> yes it's, it's good it's really good i yeah. do really like secretly like, <laughs> so i think the first ever 40k novel i read was some was gaunt's ghosts because I, I loved gaunt's ghost and i was like when black library was just getting started and it, yeah. but then some of the very early stuff i read was the space wolf but by yeah. Space Wolf novels by Bill King, just fantastic, just really cool. I love that first one when it talks about the selection process and and how the. I think it talks about like it, it seems like magic to them when they come down and like their bolt pistols are like flipping ridiculous because it's like magic and I, I just loved it, absolutely loved it. And when they're climbing up the rock face, I think they're doing as well at one point, and then they end up going down under the fang and or. Um, and finding like these this zinch guy just bloody brilliant i loved it and I, so i've yeah. i had a space wolf army oh goodness i must have been about 13 14 i remember because i just sprayed it space wolf gray and i had one <laughs> of those bloody um metal uh crusade lamb raider crusader when it had the metal sponsons oh the ones that didn't fit together yeah <laughs> yeah i remember them yeah <laughs> I wrote my um I, I I cataloged all my bits when I moved house last year because I was just struggling to remember what I had, and uh, I was looking through it again the other day, and this is um, metal crusader sponsons times four, and then in the next column it's it's what condition they're in, and in the column after that it's what I plan to do to it with them, and for the crusader bits it's don't care. Don't even think about it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> so yeah. just, no, that's that's very wise. That's very wise. Yeah, <laughs> but I mean, seriously, I'm space wolves. Personally speaking, I mean, I do a lot of um, the horse heresy. That's kind of I'm really into the storylines and stuff like that, um, and the route. Um, it's just they're so so incredibly kind of loyal, and you know, I know there's all these kind of jokes about. Um, you know, they're the Emperor's lapdog and stuff like that. But when you kind of cut through into their characters and you really get into the stories, yeah, yeah, Space Wolves are, they're just up there as, you know, one of the legions or chapters, whichever way you look at them, but they're top quality. Which is the book which opens where it's like, it must be, I think they must be scouts. It's a heresy one, I'm sure. And they're coming down through a ship, like dropping down through this ship um, to attack something. And it's talking about their movements being really economical and, I can't remember uh, which book that is, but it's anyway. Right. It's definitely one of the sixty odd that's there. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah. That, that's a, that's a standard kind of 
two peas reference there. No, no specific information at all, but it's great. It's great. I'm I'm just going to guess it's either like, you know, around the burning of Prospero. Let's go around there. It's definitely going to be close to that, I think. Yeah, I think it is. I think it is. And and the Primark, Russ Primark book, um, really good as well. Really good read, really enjoyed that. I've enjoyed all the Primark books, to be honest. Um, Yeah, yeah, it's just such a great story. I could go on about it for days. Yeah. Cool. So anything else, Mr. Hall, or is it all been... No, so I, I, I really... I love assembling models. I cannot stand cleaning them up. I just... I. It's my least favourite part of the hobby. And the, the single thing that I cannot stand more than anything else is a Space Marine backpack. And it's because I've done ah. so many of them in my life. Um, but the little bits under the um, the space thrusters at the top, you know, like right underneath, tucked in. Oh, under the exhaust type stuff. Yeah. Oh. Yeah. And you can't <laughs> leave it because as soon as you spray it, you can see the mould line. And I'm sure... Plenty of people leave it and they sleep at night, but I can't. I can't. So I'm in there like, mm, it takes me like half an hour to do a single backpack. So with 40 backpacks to do, frankly, I've, oh. I've, I've been on the point of like, <laughs> just. Yeah, that's that's a form of torture, I'm sure. Yeah, that's... yeah, it's, it's, it's right up there with water torture. Anyway, so the fun side is that I've now, I'm quite, I've been quite excited because you know, I built this the um, the skull bjorg for um, for my uh, Primaris ones using the blade guard. I've I've taken a few of them and replicated them because I I made a unit of five of um, the shield wall that calls the skull bjorg um, for um, in Astartes. So I've got them before they were Primaris and after they're Primaris. Uh-huh. Um, and I've, I'm only going to do that with the wolf guard because I can sort of follow them. They're the sort of people who would cross the rubicon aren't they they're like they're the ones that would yeah it's very them. reminiscent of the 13th company yeah yeah um so I've, I've really enjoyed doing that um but otherwise i've been plasterboard in my my new hobby shed um which is a brand new skill and uh <laughs> i've learning loads and i ache from head to foot today so, <laughs> 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 so just yeah um but i'll be doing the taping and joining this week and then that'll be That'll be it. It'll be ready for paint carpet and I'll be moving in. Um, very good. Very good. God, that's been a long time coming. <laughs> Lockdown has made that very, very tough. Anyway, uh, but that's that's it. That's been my hobby, which sounds like nothing. But equally, when you assemble models, big quantities of models, you've done like loads of hobbies, but you, you've got nothing to show for it. No one wants to see a assembled squad of Space Wolves, do they? Not really. Like, oh, well, another, you say another, that, but another spatial squad from Ben. Oh, we're going to do the spatial squad. <laughs> <laughs> it's it's the yeah. It's it, there's there's very kind of little um, glory in doing it, but you know they're essential, right? You can't have yeah. the good stuff without that stuff. So no, need it. But if anyone starts trying to talk me into a larger company than two hundred, I shall either have a a stroke. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> or someone's going to have to intervene. Or I'm going to be there building another fifty of the bloody thing. There is. It's going to. There is going to be a cause for an intervention, isn't there? Yeah. These, I was yeah. reading a very good argument as to how a space of company could be the size of a chapter because originally they were the size of a chapter, and why would they let them deteriorate over the years to like the size of a hundred? And I was like, actually, that's a really good point. And it's like, and they're all self-contained and they have their own. I was like, oh, that is a very good. No. No, 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 no. Don't go down the rabbit hole. No. <laughs> there we are. 
Yeah, so that's me. How about you, Dan? Uh, yeah, so, um, well, it's been a month, obviously, because um, you remembered in good time that it was your good lady's birthday on the, our last planned uh, recording. So it's it's been a month. So um, I finished up my Legion TX-225 uh, Occupier Assault Tank for my Stormtroopers. How so, you remember these things? It, well, yeah. I think that's right. <laughs> I, I, so I finished the tank itself uh, and got it onto its base. But uh, to be honest, as I was sort of coming to the end of that, uh, as we've discussed on previous podcasts this year, I'm doing lots of different things just to mix mm. it up a bit. And my enjoyment was sort of ebbing off. And I think what I was doing, if I'm honest, is I was starting to rush um, and things weren't really quite working how I wanted them to because I was trying to do them too quick, really. Um, yeah. So I thought the best thing to do was to park that project for a bit, the Legion project, just put that to one side. So I've got some Wookiees to do, which I tried to do with contrast. And I don't I, I don't seem to have quite got the hang of the best way to use the Wraithbone undercoat spray, because um, I've tried it a few times, and each time I, it's just not quite there. So uh, Chris Goff seems to think, it, you know, he's got it on so maybe he can undercoat all my models for me but um so i need to go back to them at some point but the the tank is done i'm really pleased with it just some really simple weathering um stuff on there and the crew are obviously like really white bright white armor so they stand out nicely which is cool and while i was working on it i watched rogue one again um (laughs) which is and this is the great thing and this is what's going to happen when we you know when 40k gets movies um, which isn't long now which isn't long and hopefully you know really, maybe one day we can hope that something for aos will go go that way as well but yeah it's just great to be able to sit down and watch the tank you're painting blasting stuff away uh <laughs> which is quite cool so so that was good um and then i painted up a sorcerer for my nurgle force so i was hoping to share that picture um so you know i was talking about but I don't know what I've done, I, but it's tiny. It's like this big, the picture on the screen. So it's no good. Um, but essentially it's some, um, so if you're familiar with the worm spat, um, which is the underworld's war band and the leader mm. of the underworld's war band is fecular fly blown or something like that or fly born. Um, really like the model, not particularly bothered about using it rules i just wanted a sorcerer and the old nurgle sorcerer whilst it's a cool model much like we were talking about before about scale creep it really suffers because it's a lot smaller um so painted her the only difference is that she's on a third in the in the worm spat she's on a 40 mil base but in the game the sorcerer is a 32 mil base so i've just put it onto a 32 mil base which is fine I, you know i'm not it's not so much that I'm massively bothered about it being on the right base, but it's a it is a way to show a bit of distinction, I suppose, that she's being used as a sorcerer and not as herself. Um, you can always so use the that. other two as um as blight lords, can't you? Yeah, I'm gonna yeah, I'm gonna yeah. use the others as blight kings. So yeah. that because they're really nice, just nice alternatives. So she's done. That was quite quick. Um again, bit of weathering stuff on there. Um, but she's part of the we're doing a tale of gamers, some of us for age of sigma um which i i, I wasn't invited baz i was, was oh. left out, i was left out of that one uh, there is a reason for that. <laughs> oh, yeah. uh, was it something to do with 40 space wolf backpacks or something, something no 
no it's because so, whenever i'm involved i'm the only one who does it and everyone yes. else just drops out so, so <laughs> right we've right. tried to do this a few times and every mm. time i get excited and then just get distracted and you like i think the last attempt i bought some models and that was about as far as it went um <laughs> so this time i was determined you know i wasn't going to say anything about it i was just going to get on and see how i got so doing all right i've managed to paint at least something each month up to april now so next month's going to be i well i had two i went onto a website to order some paints and somehow to start collecting nurgle maggotkin came with those paints <laughs> oh they just they just jumped in yeah it just <laughs> yeah, happens yeah, yeah. it's amazing how ben said to me the other day he thinks i should virus check my computer because this sort of thing keeps happening i went on to pre-order the bellicor book and the uh the new titanicus book and death zone for blood bolt appeared in the cart as well <laughs> i don't know how these um, things happen so yes you know it, it just is what it is i suppose but anyway uh where where are we what was i even talking about then oh yeah the start collecting so they're coming so i'm gonna do a unit of four of the puscoil blight lords which are the ones on the flies yeah which would be cool so i do that yeah, and then finally i've been working on just to show that i really am all over the place at the moment working on some dark eldar some drakari so that came off the back of watching um henry's on the cult of paint henry's um drakari color schemes so i've yeah. always wanted to revisit dark Eldar. they were the first army that i had as an actual army because i joined the hobby just as just before third edition i know we went in to buy the starter set and they said look we don't have any of the current starter set don't bother buying it because the new one's coming out in like two months and that new one was the third edition one so um i i started off with dark eldar sprayed black with bits picked out in bolt gun metal that was pretty much it uh, so i started being as into painting as i remained there just <laughs> as quick as i could um uh, so i've always wanted to revisit them a bit wasn't quite sure what i wanted to do saw that color schemes thing was like oh and it'd been a while since i'd got the airbrush out and really tried using it to do zenith and stuff like that so i thought oh, i'll try and follow that guide so i'm quite pleased with them i'm just doing five of them in the same scheme at the moment um but been picking up some different paints so uh i've branched out in the past into other paint ranges and then come back i've got the whole citadel range because yeah. i always tended to paint very much by the box um so it made sense um yeah. but yeah just branching out a bit trying some different colors different things um on i can get myself some liquitex white ink that's, that's definitely next on my list. Is it? Yeah, that's for <laughs> passing through the airbrush, right? Well, yeah, not not only because not only for that, but I quite often have for my um the way I do OSL, I, I water down white paint and then drop it in. Yeah. And it never dries as bright as you want it to. It always yeah. so you need a couple of coats, whereas with the Liquitex, all the videos I see people just drop it in and then it there it is. I'm like that's that's just <laughs> it's quite um so. <laughs> it's quite a nifty trick again this comes from andy or a video from andy about we're adding an ink into a color to really make it more intense yeah, yeah. um which, which it's not something i've had cause to do but i've seen it so i thought i'd talk about it um one thing i did i have got again 
Mr. Steele, if he was on commission, he'd have made a fortune this month because <laughs> I've just been ridiculous. But he talked about ultra matte lucky varnish from from Mig, um, and for, for for the airbrush, this is incredible because it just you just put it in and off it goes. So all the other varnishes I've got, like the Vallejo ones, I have to um, thin them and choose how thin I want them, etc. Whereas this is just straight out of the bottle really good so i did i was good i only got the matte one because i'd run out of matte so i'm sure i'll end up with the gloss one and probably about every different one they do <laughs> and they'll just line up on the thing here um and i even bought ben will be shocked a p3 color from called blighted gold from uh i'm not a big well why am i not a big fan of i'm it's not that i'm not a big fan of privated press i just didn't have a very good experience when i tried to play war machine because it's very competitive and just mm. trying to get into it wasn't great so but i did buy one of their paints <gasps> oh. <laughs> no, I'm, I'm a big advocate for just um getting the the right colors um yeah, brands yeah. i mean there are obviously with each and every brand there's kind of like a you know, there's the the colours that don't work. I mean, Games Workshop even got it. So I don't like a bad and black person. No. I think it's really weak. <laughs> so I go to maybe Vallejo for my blacks, you know, and, um, yeah, I, I, I'm just a big advocate. If there's the right colour, then get it, and then and then see how you go from there. Um, but then, I mean, I've, I've still got loads of Games Workshop, older paints. You know, I've got the old cylindrical ones. Still got them kicking around. Um, so... But you know, yeah, any color, whatever you can get. Yeah. Have you got I, I have you got a little tax bottle of titillating pink? Yeah. Oh, such a good color. Yeah, well, that's the thing. So I've even got, do you remember the old hexagonal um metallic colours? The polished blue, glistening mm, yeah. green, amethyst, and amethyst purple. purple. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 I just make a point. I'm really sad. Um one of the boys he laughs at me because you know, once every say maybe three or four months. I've got like my thumb is it feels like it's going to fall off because obviously the old pots you used to open up with your thumb and oh geez so yeah I've got about maybe 200 that are sitting about and I make sure every three to four months I just go in and I'll drop some water in mm. obviously you mix it up but another little tip drop one more bit of water in and it creates a seal and it'll stop them drying up as often as uh, they do oh there yeah. we go <clears throat> I echo what you say in black and white though I I yeah, I don't use. Abaddon Black's quite black. good for glazing because it's because yeah. it's so transparent. It's quite good for glazing, particularly on like blues and, and reds. I find yeah. it's quite good to sort of glaze in. But if I want to black something out, I just <laughs> the Vallejo model <laughs> color. Though, I, I love it. It's yeah. really matte. Vallejo yep. model color black, really matte. Um, Although the last one I got was as bad as Abaddon Black. Well, wow, that's something up. you must have got into contact with your space wolfness and gone funny. <laughs> I think I think it had just been on the shelf for a really long time, and mm, right because one of the things that we've been talking about and, and looking at over the last month, Dan and I, is a, a vortex shaker. Um, yes, because Luke from Luke a, Luke's APS did a bit of a clickbait vehicle clickbait clickbait video about why I didn't why I no longer use. Um, army painter paints and I was like that's a bit of a it's a bit of a statement but what it actually was was that he didn't use them because he needed shaking so much he ended up reducing his range down to like 20 paints which was still army painter paints he got this vortex shaker and now he was using the whole range again 
Um, and I thought, well, you know what? It is really frustrating. You know, it would be useful for you as well, I should think. You, know, you could drop your water in and... But I, we used to have... We used to use them in, like, science class, you know, vortex shakers, and but they're hell of a, hell of a price. Like, uh, I don't know. I mean, some of them you can maybe pick up for... What was it? You can get them for maybe about 25 quid. On It just depends where you can on a shop. There's some branded ones, of course, just like everything. But, uh, yeah. I mean, my mate, he's got one, so he brags all the time when I'm doing those bloody paints, doesn't he? So he's always at me saying, oh, if you only had this. So, yeah, yeah. I think the thing is, I don't... There's a lot of the ones that are, like, uh, for the nail lacquer. Yep. They're really cheap. Um, but I can't work out... Because some of the seemingly more expensive ones have got a, a lower RPM than the cheaper ones, and the, the motor looks exactly the same. And you're like, well, "What am I buying?" You know, when you when you're buying an airbrush, you kind of know what it is because you can compare the you know you can compare them a little bit. But I don't know what I'm looking at, so <laughs> I'm like, oh. maybe we should do maybe we should do some research, Dan, and do like a a blog post or something on choosing a vortex shaker just buy loads of them and then just like try <laughs> see what's good for what this one's good for beer <laughs> <laughs> okay well on that note there's lots to talk about um in the other segment so i think it'd be good time to close off on the hobby desk and head across to the galaxy of war Welcome, listeners, to the grim darkness of the 41st millennium. And there's a little bit of 31st millennium as well to talk about today. So, um, right. I want to dive in, guys, with um, absolutely epic looking Battle Sisters. I think yeah. that's a great place to start. So um, I did I did try and find a picture. Let's see if it works. So there we go. This is a, uh, a sacrosanct. So big shield. Big axe, crazy sort of. Well, it's not headdress, is it? What's the thing behind her? Is it? Is that on her backpack? I think it is. Isn't yeah, it's it? on her backpack. Yeah, it's, yeah. it's almost like a trophy rack, isn't it? But mm. it's you know. some. It's clearly some Victorian iron fencing. Um, <laughs> is going on there? But yeah, so see, she, she 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 is a. So this is a combat cel- Celestian, I think, isn't it? Is that right? What do you guys think? I, I think she's absolutely superb. And one of the th- one of the things I wanted to say straight off is that I genuinely did not see her coming in the sense that I thought they were pretty much done with the sisters and yet they just keep releasing new bits and bobs and I'm starting to wonder when they're going to stop. But, but this is something that as soon as I saw it, I, I, was, I said, why? This has got such a clear place in the Sisters of Battle range. I mean, it's almost like there was a void there that needed filling that the Crusaders used to fill. But why would they need to be like some bloke in that position when you can have halberd wielding sisters? Oh, it's going to be amazing. And if that's a squad, it's just going to be perfect. They're going to absolutely. I mean, imagine that the um, the funeral of uh, Saint Watts's face with a couple of squads of these on either side, like just making its way down the middle of the battlefield. I don't care whether I win or lose that game, whether I'm playing it or, or, or on the receiving end or leading it, 
that would look fantastic and that would be me happy. <laughs> so, yeah. 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 Superb. I think it, like they're really taking the sisters in a direction because, I mean, how many years were we crying out for sisters? So yeah. it would be, I think, hypocritical of anybody to go, no, I've had enough now. You know, I think, I really think that um, we kind of, uh, we're getting what we asked for. I mean, you know, not every unit is to everybody's taste, and that is absolutely fine. But yeah, I do like this is kind of like this is more of a hint towards a defensive nature, you know, mm. holding the fort because you know that's what they do as much as any marine, um, uh, in some sectors more so. So, I really love the kind of visuals they've gone down with uh, instantly, you know, uh, recognizable with the silhouette of a sister and uh. Mm. I mean, look at the axe with the, like that fleur de lis on, yeah. you know, it's just, yeah, it's, it's so nice. And is that a gun? I, I want to yeah, know. Yeah, I was just thinking that there's a bolt yeah. pistol in there, isn't there? Yeah. Imagine so is it, you know, one of those ones that she's maybe, I, I would assume it's part of the shield. So yeah. 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 It's, I agree. Um, and just I to just, clarify, Ben, the, the funeral of St. What's its face is actually the triumph of St. Catherine. Yeah, that's the model awesome. you're talking about. <laughs> that's the one. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> everyone, everyone knows what I mean. So it's fun. <laughs> yeah, I know. I know. That's funny. I, I get it. I, I definitely want to just call it the the funeral of Saint What's Its Face it's, now. Though, well, you know, that's what I'm going to call it from now on. Anyway, absolutely. So. Excellent. I just noticed that her helmet is actually got like a. a, a crest oh yes. Blood, and yeah. I hadn't noticed that before, and I think that might be the only unit with. A, like a proper crest on their helmet. Um, quite interested to see what's behind that, or whether it's just like um, like a samurai sort of front crest, whether it's got like a mm. trail behind it or something. But even then, if it doesn't have a trail, <clears throat> dead easy thing to sculpt on. So um, we've also got the dogmata that was shown as well, which she does not look happy. She has got the look, hasn't she? She she would yeah. terrify you into stationary. <laughs> I think um I think it's a lovely like it's lovely, but it's I really like about the sisters is the possibility to, to alter them. You know, mm. I mean, think of like that helmet that we've just seen. How easy would it be just to plonk that on top of her there? You know, mm. just simple little change like that. Um, yeah, that, that, like I say, I think you know, I think GW are knocking. These uh, sisters out of the park, they really are. Yeah, I think and she comes with a helmet option, doesn't she? Oh, does she? Yeah, yeah, she does. Yeah, there's wow. some of the other, other yeah. pictures on the page were were um were, were helmets. Yeah, yeah. She's got a lot more like I don't know, brutal looking armor. I think as well, hasn't she? So <laughs> yeah. that so stuff across yeah. her shoulders, it's less sculpted, and it's just like, can have you? Um. So that's good. And what's interesting as well is we were previewed some like sisters of battle in kind of combat suit things, weren't we, a while ago? Yeah. Um, yeah. And they're not, you know, they're still not here. So that's there's so much still to come. Yeah. Isn't there? What She's quite, um, I mean, one of the things you don't hear much about is what happens to a space room. Should they not walk the path? And it's probably quite as simple as, like a fairly significant punishment and a bit of mind wiping and then retraining and then back on the back on the line but we all know what happens if you upset this 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 character 
Um, the worst case scenario is you end up in a coffin being permanently stuck in a state of pain uh, and then just <laughs> let loose and just constantly. I think it also fires up their guilt centres, isn't it? So they're just in a constant state of guilt, anguish, pain, torment <laughs> and shoved in a coffin so that they're never going to die um, unless they're hit by like a, a las cannon face on. And she's the one who makes that decision. So yeah, I think she's yeah. probably one of the most intimidating <laughs> models in 40k, frankly. <laughs> she's like, wise. yeah. Oh my goodness! Right. Um, so I think, I'm gonna I, I think my only thing bit. I would say would have said with her is I'd quite like her to have a death mask of some description. So rather than a helmet, like may, maybe some form of death mask. So I think she would be really cool with a with an Age of Sigma. Um, with a stormcast face on, perhaps painted in like bone white and just trimmed back so it didn't have as much of the fanciness, but like a bone white sort of placid face mask or a skull or something. I think she would, yeah. Oh, yeah, more skulls and a chain axe. <laughs> <laughs> That's what's needed there. That would be Talk, talking about hopeless heretics, Malagas the Twisted. Malagas the twist. Yes. So, um, Baz, tell us what yeah. you think, man, because you've already said, like, you know, heresy is is maybe your biggest bag, as it were. Yeah. Um, you know, heresy has been quiet for a long time, as everybody knows. Um, you know, it's been very dry. And uh, this kind of, this release, first of all, I mean, I, I do, I love this model. Um, I've seen many people that throughout the community, and they do their own Malagasans, and it's great. But to have an official model... That it's just it's it really is like bang on so you know um i watch uh quite a few channels uh the other day i was you know watching i think it's leaky cheese um he does quite a lot of heresy based stuff and um good lad as well yeah yeah um and he really has got a passion for it and but I can't remember. Anyway, it was pointed out. If you look at Malachus, Malachus is the twisted Malachus, the cripple, um, because he was, you know, um, shot down whilst uh, acting as envoy. And uh, that was him. You know, that's how he's come his ways. But he's actually using that um, banner. As to hold himself to lean up. On. Yeah. yeah. You know, it's it just it's it's so nice. Um, it's, you know, the, yeah, I'm going to wax local, I guess, but the you know the chthonic kind of runes on his knee um, and stuff like that. It really does kind of get across the brutality, you know, of um, of uh, the lesion, and it's just so nice. You know, look at the little detailing. Um, yeah, yeah, they've absolutely nailed it. They really have. So Is he put resin? something out here? I think he's plastic. I think he's plastic. So the more I look at him, the more I think yeah. he's plastic. Wait, so this is the thing, right? Now be careful because you're playing with a heresy lover's heart here. So <laughs> Yeah. There there's been a few arguments. So if you look at the banner where he's holding it just above, if that was resin, then you're in trouble. You mm. know, with those two small contact points to hold the rest of that banner up, I think you're mm. in trouble. I so, think also if you look at the the chains perhaps yeah. and also you know he's got that little tabard under and then yep. coming off it there's a little chain link little tiny yeah. chain link. i know these are all tiny things but it's just just the way those details look yeah lead me to think plastic so it's deceptive on the basis that um as far as i'm aware 
even when it's new models, Games Workshop Plastic, they're actually showing you resin. Oh, yeah. Of they course, paint the resin print, copies. Yeah. So I'm trying not to draw too many things from it. Um, but the big thing, um, I was speaking to my good friend, um, Welshie, the other day there about it, is the base. So yeah. the telling thing is the base. The character series had a scenic base that came with their characters. Yeah. Malakurst is quite literally, you know, a named character, and he doesn't have a scenic base. And the Sons of Horus being a key... I mean, they're all key chapters, obviously. But yeah, of course, yeah. But, but they're the main protagonists. That sort yeah. of model puts me in mind of the ancient from the starter set for the new 40K. Remember the yep. the eighth edition, right? Mm -hmm. As a as a character within a set a starter set. So now I've just gone insane now and decided that it's it's a plastic dude from a, a new from plastic a starter, starter set. i heresy. It. I'll take it all day long. Yeah. Yes, oh, please. how good would that be? I do not need that this year. I do not, but I want it. <laughs> I want it so much. <laughs> I, you know, I, again though, you know, uh, they've just if you go back to that, I mean, look at his face. You know. That's that's so good. That is so good. But yes, nice. I will take a plastic set all day long, and I don't care what's in it. Just keep keep that kind of heresy train moving. That would be lovely. Yeah, who, definitely. Who would you have in it? Opposite side, opposite um, the Sons of Horus. Well, so it's for me. It's like it's you know you've got a definitive kind of like story timeline. It's kind of mm. so it just really depends in the setting because realistically, you know. Um, it could, and there's a few legions that would be kind of like not necessarily my first picks, but he could literally be anywhere. Uh, I'd preferably, love Blood Angels. You would go Blood Angels, yeah. I mean, they mm. didn't. I'm just trying to think how much they really met, but yeah, I mean, dare I say it, Ben? It could be Space Wolves. They've already done Space Wolves, and everyone would have a bit of a. They would have a bit. Maybe Imperial Fists then, you know, it would be like, mm. I'm assuming it'd be something rather generic and the characters, much like with, you know, 40k yeah. now, your characters are all you're exactly that. They're the character, they have all the adornments. And then if it's a starter set, I would assume you'd have some kind of basic guys. But again, you know, if you want to go later heresy, then Imperial Fists, White Scars, you know, it, it could be a, a, a number of guys, you know. White Scars would be cool, wouldn't it? It yeah. would be really cool. He's you know quite, he doesn't look... I mean, I I don't I haven't read all of the stuff as in depth as um, you probably have, but he, he's not gone completely wibbly in that kind of. So I don't know. I get the impression <laughs> that by terror, you know, a yeah. lot of them are a bit wibbly, <laughs> a bit chaotic. Well, I so I'm not going to ruin it, um, but you know, there's there's a few things that kind of happen along the way, and Malakurst is if I can divulge a little bit into it, it's like he's he's really switched on as to kind of like he does, he's always got horses back no matter what. And uh, he's fully aware of what demons are kind of up to and yeah. he plays them at their own game. So, I, you know, I think it's one of those ones where he's got, he's, his loyalty is to Horus. It's not to chaos. Yeah. And um, that's reflected, you know, in the, in the kind of, uh, you know, the armor that he's wearing. Um, so, yeah. Yeah, it's... and the and the fact it's an it's a Sons of Horus icon, and not Chaos icon. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Although there's a little secret sort of eight point star snuck in in the middle, but largely, right, yeah, yeah exactly. But it, largely, it's the Eye of Horus, isn't it? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. it's awesome. 
One of the things I think is quite sad about, but going down to box sets of heresy, the fell handed and um, and um, the Araman, Araman, <laughs> I'm hopeless. They're gone. Yeah. Yeah. You can't you well, can't buy them separately at well, all. I mean, it, so that wasn't as far as I'm aware, that wasn't Bjorn, was it? That wasn't Bjorn the no, fell handed. So it wasn't but, Bjorn the fell handed, but it was yeah, something. But like no, that. it's um yeah, again, it's it's one of the things. Being a heresy player is like every game relies on new blood, right? So mm. and taking away those starter sets and then expecting somebody with the greatest respect, Forge World are expensive for what they are. Oh, you know, yeah. Yeah. A five-man heresy, you know, tactical squad or whatever destroyers, you know, you're talking upwards of fifty quid for five guys. So to expect a new guy to come in and maybe do that is a little bit unrealistic. So, like I say, you know, please, yes, I will take a plastic set all day long, all day long. I think long. it would be great to see it, um, them add back in a bit more of the character as well, because I think I get. I get the, I absolutely get the financial kind of driver behind this, but you've seen an awful lot of the bits for heresy, the bits that make it individual, all the different bolt guns, all the different weapon yep. options, the different armor types have, have dropped away and disappeared. Yep. Um, and I, and I totally get it. You know, the, these molds don't last forever. And then you have to ask about the financial viability of recreating them and then actually having the manpower to keep casting them when you're bringing out so much stuff and your customer base is growing like it never has before. You know, there's loads of, I get it. I just think it's a shame. Um, and yeah. I, I suppose, but you know, for me, whether I'd have actually done it or not, I'm not sure, but I, so I've got a salamander, heresy army yep. um all painted up but i'd love to do um a world eater one and yeah. but i really 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 want the sort of mark two but mark three really mark three yep. assault squads which they don't do anymore mm. um and yeah. that holds me up so i'm not saying they you know you must do mark three but i just think it's a shame that some of those that individualness has disappeared yeah and i, I think th sorry ben you go ahead no, 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 you go ahead. For, but, but yeah, well, I was going to say, I just think, so personally, I would like to see all the Mark armor. So Mark II is the big one, right? I mean, only Forge World did Mark II. And if they brought out a Mark II kind of heresy set, then geez, you know, I, I understand what you're saying. I know you can get the individual shoulder pads um, and some of the doors still for the vehicles, um, but they do. They, they kind of took away a lot of stuff. Um but on the flip side, I would take a slightly diluted accessory set and swap it for a core set. So it just means that more people get to, mm. you know, to kind of have a look um, yeah. at Heresy. Because the community as a whole, you know, I, I know you can, in every part of the community, you can get people that want to govern that community and, you know, do some drive whatever they want to. But it's it's a really really good willed community and everyone does it for the same reason we're in it for the story you know yeah. Um, yeah yeah so yeah yeah i went to um an event in southampton a few years back and it still is my favorite event i've been to heresy event cool. um yeah. just really good good guys good nature just yeah, it, I mean, it, it helped that it was in a hotel and we stayed in the hotel and the hotel had a bar. <laughs> yeah. um, these things yeah. all were heavily impacted. And 
playing, <laughs> sitting around a table playing gorchos in the little board game, drinking uh, drinking pints is is one of the finest things in life. Should be yep. on Conan's list, really. <laughs> Um, definitely. So, um, I, I was just going to say, Dan, before we move on from him, that I think that there's a real opportunity here for um, for Games Workshop to um, to move into 3D printing. So, there's no reason at all where they why they couldn't sell the STLs of these um, and sell the rights to 3D printers in the same way that other companies do, um, so that you can. Not for models, but for accessories. So for the Ferox Pattern Bolt Gun, for example, and how I know that off the top of my head rather than the other names that are current, I don't know. <laughs> but um, for, for example, the different patterns of bolt guns um, and even little bits like like pouches or, yeah. um, you know, people will buy those STLs, you know, and even if it's a couple of quid, I guarantee you, if they release the STLs for all of the upgrade kits that they've had for different legions and different armor yep. classes, they will make an absolute fortune doing that. Because absolute it, fortune. It would work for 40k as well, wouldn't it? So it would. you could literally across the you could take away that hassle of all those extra bits and then just yeah. No, I, I agree. I agree. It's, I it's wonder a, if there's a bit of a a reticence there to introduce their entire customer base to the concept of 3d printing your miniatures at home I, those people will get there eventually i think yeah but in this yeah i i don't know it's a big question but i would like it don't get me wrong i i yeah. agree but at the would. same time i don't think that i don't think the 3d printing is the answer to every solution and to every problem so there's plenty of times that i've looked at 3d prints and thought should I get the STL or should I buy the 3D print? Because I can't be asked to actually print the STL. Um, in, That's uh, usually uh, because you are waiting for me to print you stuff. And <laughs> I go through phases of excitement on everything I do. And ben, that, has, that... ben has hit me with so many STLs, Baz. It is ridiculous. <laughs> like he just went mad and just joined like two or three different Patreon things. And now I've got a hundred. It's not one. Why do it's I only, still get emails from loads only, of other places? It's only <laughs> one that I've asked you, and that's Loot Room, a Loot Studio. Anyway, no, but I, I think, don't believe you. I think that um, there is, I think there's, there's literally an opportunity for them to print money with this. Um, because I think... I think accessories are a safe bet for them. People will always buy by perfectly print, perfectly made plastic models. They will always buy those. I will always buy those. But to then be able to make them your own by, you know, getting an STL and printing something, I don't think they'll lose money doing that. I think they'll make money doing that. And I think that's the key for them. And um, But for us as customers, that would just be incredible. Absolutely yeah. incredible. Yeah, the ability to personalize on that level, yeah. I think it's um and I mean, let's be honest, you know, there's no they've got no intentions. I don't think anyway, obviously I'm guessing, but I don't think they've got any intentions of going down that rabbit hole again because there were some kits that they never ever, you know, they splashed, kind of released them and everyone went kind of like, Yes, we'll have them, and then it just disappeared. Mm. So yeah, I think stuff like that and you know, yeah, there's a few things, but still, yeah, something like that would be cool. I like yeah. his backpack, it's very it's cool, links isn't it? in with the the chaos 
backpacks of 40k yeah it's it's like a dual purpose thing for me that as well it kind of gives you an indication as well that his backpack needs to be modified to help him as well you know mm. it adds to that kind of air of yeah that just is yeah his, his armor if you look at his rebreather thing especially on the front i mean that's crazy right I mean, what yeah. injuries did he have to his lungs for that to be needed? But still, it's, you know, yeah, yeah, it's wonderful. It's really good. Yeah, definitely. I've also just noticed how on on the metalwork on the icon, whoever's painted it has done the, a bright highlight in the deep recesses, and it looks superb. Um, and I'd never thought to do that when I was painting, if I was going to paint that. Mm. So, um, Ben, I know you mentioned... We were looking at a Space Marine face. What was that? Oh well, no, I just got really excited about the 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 latest. I'm just I I'm really excited about the upcoming videos, right? And they're just looking flipping amazing. And I feel like we've been teased for the best part of a year. It, they now need to start releasing them. That's that's where I'm at. But the new the latest tease is uh, I think it's a chaplain's face, and it is the. Uh, this, they, I think the article is, is this the most photorealistic animation we've seen? Well, the answer is yes. If that's an animation, yes, it is the most photorealistic. It's superb. Um, and I can't wait to see it. But at the moment, the, the, the stage I'm at is just please just release something because I need <laughs> the teasing has just gone on for too long now. We need to have an episode because I, I want to have the same excitement as I do every week watching Falcon and Winter Soldier, or whatever, whatever series is on the tour, Mandalorian. So Joshua is um, currently he goes through stages of what's his favourite. So um, for you, Baz, Josh is my my little boy. So he'll be five in August, um, and he loves at the moment. He loves Octonauts, and there's a film version. They they got like three like almost feature films, like hour long episodes, and there's one about the. Um, crown of thorns starfish and basically an army of them attempts to invade this coral and has to be defeated and it's got this amazing music theme tune thing that gets stuck in your head and um they go like we want to eat a tasty treat tasty treat tasty treat we want to eat a tasty treat yummy for our tummy but every time i see an army of them i'm like that could be an animated army of orcs coming over the hill <laughs> to smash stuff up um, I'm not sure I would. It would be appropriate to like show him it, um, but you know, no. it would be it would be cool. Um, yeah, that was a that was a that was just an excuse for me to segue in Octonauts because I'm actually secretly a massive fan. I love it with <laughs> Cap Captain Barnacles. <laughs> so yeah, yeah, that's not going anywhere so else really. <laughs> <laughs> Um, so other than Octonauts and 4K think... animation, so some rules started sort of creeping out for changes for Mechanicus yeah. stuff. Um, what is coming up book-wise from... Four... Is, it, is this for a new... Are they getting a new codex or, or is this part of the... It, it's probably to do with that campaign, the, um, the, the thing of Rust or whatever. The book oh, of Rust. yes. So, I mean, probably I don't know... I know nobody's really been playing a lot of games, um, but they're definitely getting a step up just overall. But it's really, oh, I don't need it, but I'm probably going to buy a unit of them and paint them. 
just because I really like there, there's some good stuff. I don't know. Is it in White Dwarf this week? Might be in White Dwarf this month. The Metallica um, yeah. color scheme. So quite light, but would look great with a bit of chipping going on. Bit of weathering as well. This thing got ridiculous. I mean, it looks pretty frightening anyway, doesn't it? To be fair. Arc rifle. Yeah. I mean, a lot of this means very little to me, but it looked good and it's got some cool graphics saying old, new with exclamation marks. So I had to read it. Yeah, well, I mean, I don't do much gaming myself, if I'm being honest. Well, much like everybody right now. Um, but uh, I, I mean, you got Games Workshop have got so much to kind of keep up and you've got to applaud them. They are. You know, I know for some people it's not quick enough and, and they want more. And um, there's always going to be that element, but they really are kind of looking at codexes and like army books and stuff like that. And, you know, give them credit where it's due. I mean, they really are starting to pump out, you know, erratas and rules changes. And all right, it may be bad news for our wallets in the end of the day, but, you know, I, I really do appreciate their kind of, and especially coming from a heresy standpoint where there's been very, very little. And then you see what 40K is kind of getting updated and um, changed. Yeah. Yeah. GW are kind of doing uh, it's that. It's worth, it's worth reminding people. And I know this is people, some people will say this is no, there's no excuse, but the first co- codex I bought was a Space Wolf codex. Yeah. And that lasted for like near on a decade. <laughs> so, yeah. Yeah. yeah it was, it was yeah. a long time before that got replaced. Um, I like rules like this. Sorry, I thought you'd finished. Sorry, go on. No, I have. Yeah, I like this change, actually. Well, going from damage D6 to damage D3 plus 3. Yeah, I just think I like that consistency. It's a good way to mark a bit more powerful weapon. Um, More consistent damage output. Yeah. Yeah, it's it's a much better reflection of kind of like a, a, a heavy weapon. I mean, that is ridiculous. Or as it changed to assault there, but is that... Assault to... I think though that's largely to do with where it's mounted, so it's yeah, on like say. a walkie thing, isn't it? Yeah, so inc- it'll be on a vehicle. So yeah, yeah. yeah. Okay. But can you imagine a twin Cognis last cannon only doing one damage? I mean, it's ludicrous, isn't it? If it's hit, that's two beams, and it only does one damage. It doesn't make any great deal of sense. But I, so I like that change a lot. Yeah, I agree. Thumbs up. Okay. Anything else? Nah, I don't think so. No. I don't think so. Okie dokie. Well then, in that case, from the grim darkness of the far future to the crazy magic of the mortal realms. So we will see you actually grab some refreshments because I've not said that yet this episode for the for the for everybody else. <laughs> so make sure you grab some refreshments and we will see you in the mortal realms. Hi guys and welcome to the Mortal Realms and we've had a bit of a treat the last couple of weeks um, from the Mortal Realms. Stuff has been coming out that we didn't expect, expected and even though we expected we're still blown away by. So and the first oh. one is Darren Latham's absolutely magnificent Bellacore. It's just we've talked I'm a so lot. I'm so excited for this guy man. He is we so are. cool. 
We have talked about models being updated for AOS or from Primaris or... um, (laughs) If there is an example of, like, the absolute pinnacle of that art, it is this, isn't it? It is this. Mm. Bellacore has just been given... It's been given the super soldier serum. This is like this is like Captain America of chaos, isn't it? <laughs> Steve Steve um, Steve has just been given the injection and turned from micro bellicore into. Like... I think uh, you know. First of all, just the size. It's everything you wanted bellicore to be when bellicore first came out. There's no denying that the first you know the first iteration of bellicore was stunning for its time. It was mm. absolutely stunning, but it was also restricted by the materials. Yeah. Um, so restriction has been taken away. And then, you know, I'm, I'm a big fanboy of Mr. Latham. Uh, his work is just incredible. Um, yeah. And you give somebody the license then and say, you know, this is the brief, then inject as much steroids as you can, <laughs> make him as <laughs> massive as you can. But, you know, it's just that extra bit, you know. The model itself is incredible. And then you look at the base, you know, and then the the base has got two options because obviously Bellacore is one of these creatures that is in both game systems. And it's just, jeez. I mean, I'll be honest with you. I don't envy anybody that's going to clean up all of those chains with mold lines. So the best of luck to those people. (laughs) But the model is... It's just breathtaking. It is absolutely phenomenal. I love that they've done it so that you can put either the Chaos Warrior, as you say, Chaos Warrior or the Space Room, or you can leave it off yeah. and then have it for both systems. Um, yeah. I, I, lo- I love how sinister he is. Yeah. And I think that's the thing that I took away from the original Bellacore. Is it's, it's not like... It's not like some massive great big rage engine. He he just kind of was brooding and, and sinister and felt like felt felt very much like like Melkor or whatever you want to Morgoth. You know, for, for, he just like he's like a black hole of light. This guy feels yeah. like everything is just sort of all goodness is disappearing from the world around him. It's just brilliant. It's so oh, it's so exciting. Sorry, I could talk for ages about Bellacore because I'm so excited yeah. on so many levels. So the model is incredible. The base, like we said, really cool. It's cool how it's like, it's almost like the land itself is rebelling against him and like coming up like a claw um, around him and it, it frames him really nicely, gives him even more height. Um, but also from a background perspective, so another fantastic link back to the old world and yeah. what you know an adversary a big bad for archaeon as well which is so exciting so you know yeah you've got the good versus good thing but and this has always been a thing with chaos as well as orcs as well is that kind of internal infighting and this is just brilliant because this isn't this isn't one power you know corn having a bit of a beef with sanesh this is yeah. the whole principle, chaos undivided versus another form of chaos undivided. And you can almost hear the chaos gods laughing away to themselves as these guys are duking it out. It's oh, just yeah. superb. And um, I want him. I need him. 
because yeah. I've just started doing this Nurgle army. So um, I've got my corn army. I've got lot, quite a lot. I, I think I'm up to about 7,000 points, I think, all painted up, ready to go for Age of Sigmar. small skirmish just, Yeah, just seven. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, I mean, you do... So one of the lovely things doing the Chaos Army um, in Age of Sigmar is that because once they change to round bases... Obviously, it reflects in 40k as well. So, so my corn armies cheat a little bit because they borrow demons from each one. But the corn army is all done on like a snow basing scheme with the bright red blood because it showed up and I like it. With the Nurgle, I wanted to do something different and I went with um, lots of uh, like um, tufts and life because I love the idea of Nurgle sort of walking through and all this life like blooming up around him, but then disappearing into decay um yep. almost that cycle of life really fast as they were this guy i just i want to do him and i want to have basically imagine from one side of the base is the nurgle scheme the other side is the corn and then have them sort of crossing over so to to pull the army together visually so that they can both be used alongside and then i'm like oh yeah well i could do that and that's undivided then i could have some undivided knights and then i could have this lord on kakaradrock thing I'm so excited. He's so cool, man. The the, the base thing you were just saying there, personally, I mean, so we were talking obviously just earlier there about, you know, his kind of being just this epitome of darkness. Mm. So you could maybe, and this is just as desperate, you could maybe have, like like you say, influences from both of your armies from each side, but you could make it that the darkness from him is actually overtaking those. Yeah, that's a so great there would idea. be a blackness emanating from him. I just, I, it just, you look at this model and you know, it's just, I mean, I look at those wings and I just think to myself, never in our days have we had something, you know, I, like I say, I just, I know how spoiled we're being right now. I, I, there's just models like this are just. Yeah, it's just incredible. It really, really is. I, the more you look at it, I mean, you look at the, you know, the the base victim, shall we say. <laughs> yeah. and there's even an argument that they're a sacrifice that has summoned Bellacor, you know? Yeah. You could really, you could drive it. It's just, it's such a lovely um, update. You know, you can tell that um, Darren Latham has just looked at that Bellacor sculpt and just went... It's it's lovely, but let's just add some more, he's, and in a um, really sympathetic way. I really think he's the master of doing this. Um, Absolutely. This and I could. There's three models that I think nail that. Ul Ulrich the Slayer, Ragnar Blackmane, and, and this guy are, are such perfect reimaginings of their original models. Yeah. That is, I think it's just superb. I really do. One of the things you could do, Dan, coming from the base, is do a little bit of anti-zenithal airbrushing just a real subtle and have red on one side where his armor is coming up from the bottom yeah not much just look at the tiniest suggestion and green coming from the other so it was almost reflecting off of him so the real question though is do i future proof him by having a blue and a pinky color as well for I when i do inevitably that. do zinch and um I, th I think if you did that you'd end up with um you'd lose the narrative, I think, if you had four. I think with two, it would work. But I think if you were going to do it for four, I would leave him quite neutral. I'd leave him as a blackness, like a darkness in the middle. Who did um? Who did the re-sculpt of Abaddon? 
I don't know, actually. That's oh, superb as well. Because that's also really nice, isn't it? It wasn't... Was it Seb Herbert? No, it wasn't Seb. It was... Oh, why? And I should know this because that's me just being ignorant of the kind of... The creator. But yeah, it's... Um, oh, no, that's going to bug me, Dan. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> it's fine. It's fine. But uh, no, like you say, they're, they're masters of their craft. They really are. Um, and... Um, I just, I really do like, this, I, I, I'm struggling to find anything I don't like on this model. Even the fact, you know, fine, well, those chains are going to be things that are optional. You know, they're on there right now because it's display, but you can just take them away, but you've still got the rings left in the wings. You've still got options. And if I remember rightly, there's another chain, but it's also got Primaris heads or helmets attached to it as well. You know, even the accessories, they've went the extra mile. Yeah, I love this model. I'd love to say I'd paint it, but it's massive. So it seems like it's, yeah, yeah. I I, a... I even toyed with the idea of buying this just because I, I like it so much and I wanted to paint it. Yeah. Um, because I think there's a loads of really nice challenges in there, like um, the use of browns in, in, in a black model. Um, yeah. I always find really interesting and it's something I'm I'm exploring more and more, but... If you look at his wings, for example, there's loads of brown in there, but overall the image is black or yeah. comes across as black. And I really fancied that challenge. And and the same with the sword. The sword is clearly a different colour and your eye keeps getting drawn to it, but it's dark. And, and, yeah. and creating a focal point on a model which is dark mm-hmm. without it being ridiculous is... Um, I think it's an art form in its own. And they've done, whoever's painted this has managed to do it, not only with a sword, but with his face. And I think it's yep. because of the, I think it's because of the tongue. Um, but also perhaps that the, the, the horns are highlighted in a way that draws your attention to his face. But it's very good, isn't it? It's, it's yeah. really, really good. Yeah. But that's not it. We've got this dude. <laughs> oh, <laughs> oh, So we're talking about uh, reimagining. <laughs> <laughs> how good is this it's absolutely it's... mind-blowing is what this is it, so this is croak um the reimagining of croak which came from nowhere like no one saw this coming and it is i'm guessing this is going to be the next book well it, it, so seraphon so. are in seraphon are in the bellacore book Right, so this oh. this so basically the Bellacore book has just got two two. Well, there's no <laughs> yeah, so it's not confirmed that Croak is in it, not that I've seen anyway, um, and that this model is coming with that book. But they they definitely have some updated stuff in the book. In fact, there is an article about it, so maybe there is. But but whether he's coming out with it yeah. or not, I I don't know. But I, mean, I love that they're revisiting the Seraphon. He. He has been made to look like he's floating, but actually, one of the things I've always or have found with a couple of the models that they've done recently is the floating models are real delicate. Like this guy looks like he's floating, but there's a real structure to it that this he's robust. He's robust, yeah. apart from that little skink spear, which I would almost certainly break off. <laughs> and then never yeah, be able to pin because it's tiny. <laughs> the feathers, but I think that's again that's credit to their like, shall we say, engineering of models now. Mm. You know, um, they really do think about the game inside. Um, 
so and that's old. that's something that's it's i mean i'm just looking at the base you can see the snakes coming out from underneath him you know it's just that's just it is so so good and i know you can take the headdress off right can you so, yeah so it's just croak's face itself and i they've come away from this i think it was skeletal before croak right yeah it was all skeletal but now it's not it's it's like a proper old frog, you know, it's, it's so, so nice. And um, I th- you would imagine because he's one of the gatekeepers, the main ones against chaos. So to have him and Bellacor coming out roughly the same time, it, it kind of makes sense, I guess, but. I think it's going to be interesting to see what role he takes because there is mention um, in, in an article somewhere that Bellacor makes a play against um Archeon with an un an unforeseen like with un support from an unforeseen sector. But, I love it if Croak had, oh, had been so, playing the manipulator. Yeah. So my <laughs> cast uh, we were t- chatting about it in, in one of um one of the hobby groups and uh, I said I was like it's gonna be the Sarah I reckon it's the Seraphon. I reckon he's gonna try and play them off against each other. Um I could be wildly wrong of course but yeah, I can see it. I I love these guys, and it's so cool to see them coming, coming into. I, there's um, when they initially appeared in Age of Sigma, and and they were all summoned. They were like summoned memories of the slan and stuff. And there's a great one where um, Scarbrand is trying to attack the Everglade or something, and it's not croak it's just a slam but he's just summoning like more and more stuff and scarbrand's just getting more and more angry and it's all it's just mental um but yeah brilliant model look at that it's so good i know again well sorry i know we're used to it but that paint job is just incredible you know it is really unbelievable the amount of detail and What's frightening is I don't think that the heavy metal team uses airbrushes. Yeah. So like even those like that that subtle blend on the texture going all the way around the the, the circular bit mm. is it's not something you can just sort of wet blend or or you've got to blend across the whole thing and then go back and oh, I just think that's just amazing. It is good. It's it? amazing. I'm loving turquoise at the moment. I've started to use. Yeah turquoise on like gems and stuff for my space walls and i'm really loving it but i'm really like this the point color on this is turquoise isn't it and it just is such a lovely color yeah i mean look at i mean when you see just how many colors are actually on that that is absolutely unbelievable i just i love in the plants as well like the little plants are really nice aren't they yeah, they're often looking and a little the, bit this, weird. The underside of this palanquin is the same as the original model, uh, uh, yep. but but better. <laughs> so I really <laughs> like that. That is great. Oh, yeah. And, and as you say, Ben, out of nowhere, you know, out of nowhere. Yeah. I love it when they surprise us like this. Yeah, because I, I was just flicking through my phone and I was like, "Oh, what is that?" <laughs> <laughs> so, um, I don't have pictures of them, but a couple things that I thought were worth discussing. So, Garda's Steel Soul, who we discussed 
because he came in the recent preview. His war scroll, oh my days, is ace. He's so cool, but he's so he really epitomizes the hallowed knights and what he's like. So he he has this ability whereby he can shrug off wounds and he can help other hallowed knights shrug off wounds because they're all like, only the faithful, we aren't gonna die. Ain't got time for that. And then um and he can also, if you kill him on a certain dice roll, he just doesn't care and tries to beat you up anyway. Um, <laughs> so, yeah, I love that. I love that. That's really good. Um, so that's coming out soon. And also the torturer from the. The oh, the night haunt torturer guy that I'm doing a Ben now and I've completely forgotten what he's called. <laughs> but oh, well. I'll get over that. Let's have a look. I did have it saved. So quick, we need some filler. Well, there's also there's a couple of other things, isn't there? This this um this last month have come out. So we've got the um... Gast Cruciator. Sorry, Ben, I'm cutting across your filler because I found the name. So he's pretty cool as well. Yeah, there is some other things. So I have got a couple of other pictures. All right, yeah, yeah. Yes. Father and daughter. Yeah. More witch hunting brilliance. Biggest crossbow ever. They need they need a book, <laughs> don't they? I hope there is a book for those two. Uh what, like a novel? Yeah, like a novel, totally. Yeah, I suspect so. That is cool, isn't it? I like that. I like that brazier going. I like on. the I like the jeweling pistol. Mm. Yeah, it's really cool, that kind of lock, locked out elbow. He, he looks like the kind of calm witch hunter who's just sort of walked in and quietly going about his business, killing vampires. <laughs> See, I'm I'm a big like I'm an old kind of school kind of guy, and it just this instantly makes me think of more time. You yeah, know? it does instantaneously. It's it's yeah, it is lovely. It's a but you know perfect kind of witch hunter type vibe about it you know a vampire hunter yeah it's just you know I, i'm i don't have really have too many more superlatives for games workshop right now. they are they are they really are i you know i don't remember a time when we've had so many good models come out in, in succession yeah They're just absolutely blowing everything out of the park she's great isn't she yeah you can she... get i think there's a version of her with a hat as well is there? Brilliant. Oh, really? Yeah. Brilliant. I think I quite like them both with hats. Inquis yes. Inquisitors and witch hunters need hats. They do, don't they? Sorry, I'm just sort of looking there. It's got like yeah. a... It strikes me, you know, if, if you were to do them in a very dark colours, it's got a very Vel a Van Helsing type feel. Yeah. You know, you instantly set in. I don't know if like a kind of monochrome paint job on them would be something, you know, with little accents of colour, but yeah, they're just... They would look nice in monochrome with a nice sort of light source, wouldn't they? Yeah. I um. There's a lot of look at those eyes. Yeah. <laughs> I'm 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 absolutely baffled and never will be able to be convinced that it's done by hand when people do like the irises and then the pupil and then put a white dot in the pupil. How I mean that it's just physically impossible. Dark magic. Dark <laughs> magic. Is. Yes. 
That's exactly Gareth it. Gareth Nicholas does it all the time. It's like, well, here's a tiny little elf eye. And not only has it got the white, then it's got the iris, then it's got the pupil, then it's got a white dot. And you're like, yep. Gareth, then it's come got the on, reflection, yeah. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Come on, it's ridiculous. Yeah. And it, you know, he even paints the reflected tears of your sorrow <laughs> that you can't do it in the eyes of the monsters. <laughs> Crazy. <laughs> um, There's also. There's also the um, vampire lass, isn't there? The, oh, uh, yes, of course, the little mask. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I, I, all the vampires. All the vampires. Her. They're, they're just incredible. They're absolutely incredible. So th- this one is the oh. it is the one with the like ball, ball mask on a stick, like the. Yeah. Uh, and she's got the long flowing cloaks. And she just looks so sinister, it's ridiculous. Yeah, I really yeah. love this one. She she might be my favourite vampire out of the lot. Um, I think she she's the one, or looks the one, like the one who's in the background causing all the strife and getting all the angry vampires to go off and do her bidding. Yeah, I think she's great. She's definitely think... suffered from uh, the lockdown, not being able to have a haircut, though. <laughs> <laughs> I think I think you're going to see that model in many kind of different forms. It's you know it's got it's with head swaps, arm swaps, you name it. I think people are going to go to town on that one. Yeah, I agree. It's so kind of non Games Workshop in its appearance. Yeah, you know it doesn't necessarily follow the same kind of ideas and tropes that you would associate with Games Workshop. It's just just an excellent vampire you yeah. could put this in almost yeah. any vampire game and it would work perfectly and her disgustingly sharp hips yeah i mean they're just it's just yeah no it's so good yeah yeah it's very good they're all great the, the vampires yeah. that have been coming out aren't they really good yeah so it'll be nice to see yeah. their their book when we get them they're really good okay so um I mean, there's always loads to talk about in all the sections, but I think now would be a great time to go on and um, quiz you a bit on some rather nice stuff that you've been doing. glorious community um we move now to quizzing baz about his awesomeness basically (laughs) that's probably the best way to put it so um for those that uh are not aware um we sort of come across baz on instagram because of his incredible green stuff work he's also a dab hand with a brush as well which is nice um i've seen some lovely stuff so um i'm gonna start by putting up the model and this may come as a surprise uh that i think <laughs> looking through is probably my favorite um mainly because i'd love to see him reimagined um and like this would be nice dramatic pause oh yeah so so what we're looking at here for those of you that uh, can't see it either because we haven't edited it or because you're listening to it as a podcast um is uh baz's reimagining of azrael um 
and I just think it looks absolutely cracking. I really do. I think the pose is ace. Um, really good detail. So why did you do this guy, man? Was this somebody requested or was this? Um, yeah. Um, uh, Martin Waller um, approached me. Um, and uh, yeah, it's just, it was something that we discussed um we were looking at a few pieces just on the off chance that I could kind of make something for him. Um, dare I say, I mean, I was nervous when he approached me, you know, he's a, an incredibly talented man. Um, uh, he really does know his way around miniatures. And um, we settled on the idea of um, Asriel. And, um, and from that point on, you know, the, again, it's that kind of updating, shall we say it's a, it's not necessarily the word I want to use, but again, just kind of bringing him into kind of like the prime Maris universe, if I want to say that. And, yeah. Um, but yeah, it was, it was something that I really kind of wanted to challenge myself with um, because I do consider myself still very much learning kind of like sculpting processes. Um, the things that I would, and I'd love to communicate with people is, you know, the robe specifically on this guy, it maybe took me two attempts to even get the center section correct to my liking. Because, you know, you can do work and then you go back, you know, the next day and you think, no, that doesn't that doesn't look right. And I do. I just I'll take it away. I'll scrape it away and I'll I'll go at it again. And with the robes on this one, there's a quite an obvious color difference. And sometimes that's because you you've mixed the green stuff more yellow than blue. But. Is there, have you done something different? Have you added in milliput or? Yeah, yeah. So that's exactly it. Um, I find personally speaking, I really like working with the milliput and green stuff mix. Mm. Um, I roughly mix like 50 50 of each. So, you know, obviously it's two part epoxy for both of them. You'll mix them up in equal size balls and then mix those two together. Um, now, it doesn't necessarily prolong the time you get to work with it. But I personally just like the feel of it when I'm doing robes. I kind of feel like I've got more control mm. um, with the milliput mix. And I find myself using it more now than maybe I would with green stuff pure. I use the green stuff a lot for, as you can see on Asriel, is detailing, mm. you know, shoulder kind of uh, uh, details and just the, the kind of odd angel wings and stuff like that around. I, that's mainly what I use them. Um, the pure green stuff for these days uh yeah it which because it, milliput make a lot of different uh putties don't they so do you have one yeah. that you're uh, milliput standard it's the standard just one, standard yeah. stuff yep just purely because if i'm being honest with you that's what i had to hand when i thought it might work so mm. i just uh, i mixed it in and um yeah it's um yeah i just i just I don't know how to say it other than it just felt right at the time, you know, and the bonus you have with that, if anybody's ever worked with it before, it's great for the likes of standards and tabards and capes because you don't have to focus on getting it absolutely smooth. If you're not as confident, you know, initially you can go back afterwards and you can sand it down, you can file it and you can, you know, refine your work if you're not comfortable. Mm and that's the milliput that does that to it isn't it yeah very much so yeah because green stuff has like a like a fibrous texture to it if you try and sand it and file it you can do it a little bit um 
I wouldn't recommend it personally, but if you do a little bit of wet filing, you know, you can get a small amount of sandpaper, a little bit of water and a light touch, you can do it a little, but I, I really wouldn't recommend sanding green stuff or filing. And is that the watcher there? Is that obviously not the, the you can see which bits are the grey, but the rest yep. of him, is that a pure sort of sculpt from the ground up? From yeah. The... Yeah. So he was like, I haven't done many like just pure sculptures in that sense. Um, that's something that maybe will come with confidence, I guess. But with the smaller guys, yeah, he was just built out of a small wireframe. Um, it was actually the first part I tackled on Asriel was the Watcher because I knew it then that if I could get the Watcher right, it meant that I was kind of green-lighted to go from there. Mm. If I did it the other way around, I guess, it probably would have felt even more intimidating towards the end. Yeah, um, yeah. So it was something that I consciously did first. Um, and again, um, you know, uh, Mark and I, we, we just had a few kind of chats about him and he was like incredibly good. There were a few bits that maybe weren't as sharp and he was, you know, he kind of forced me to push myself in areas where sometimes as hobbyists, I think we all get that kind of sensation, all that feeling. It's like, I think that will do for this job. Mm-hmm. And with this one, it was kind of like, no, I can't say that will do. It was more a case of let's just push this right through. So, yeah, yeah. love it. And right. you sorted out the uh, you sorted out the combi weapon, so it makes some sense. Yeah, rather than, <laughs> yeah. Rather yeah. than the magazine traversing the bullet somewhere from like the butt of the gun through. Well, yes, all right angle. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, that was something. Um, when when we do kind of like. When I speak to somebody about maybe updating a model or changing things to kind of like bring it forwards into this universe is is trying to be sympathetic to the old sculpt, but not being afraid to change things that don't necessarily make sense, yeah. even in the 40K universe that really doesn't make sense. Anyway, but with the game you know, regards, like you say, a bolter shouldn't have to come through a curved angle to get and fed into the you know the rifle itself so yeah that was something <laughs> that we we changed it's like the old um the old box nort assault cannon yeah which just makes no sense at all <laughs> um but it looked great um so did this guy so now we're on to as asmodai i assume asmodai yeah. yeah yeah uh based off is that the boxer is that the is that that's from Mark, Mark Gibbons. Gibbons. Yeah, yeah, Mark Gibbons. Gibbons. Yeah. So yes. Asriel is also Mark Gibbons. I've I'm a genuine fanboy of Mark Gibbons. He was like yeah. he was my kind of like artistic kind of um just you know what, he just does some amazing work. Really amazing work. And when I'm asked to kind of work on a model and replicate or get close to any sort of Mark Gibbons work. You know, Games Workshop have done them themselves, of course, with Mephiston recently. Mm, it was based yeah. off another Mark Gibbons artwork. And yeah, yeah, his stuff is hugely inspirational. And um, it's it's it really is good to try and test yourself, you know, and try and get close to what the, you know, the artwork is. And did he come, Did was this sculpted after Asriel? or before it was yeah yeah so i think he's one of my kind of later sculpts mm. um stuff that i've yeah I, i'd like to think i'm refining so before with asriel i think 
you know, I used kind of stock hands and stuff. It made sense to use them. But with Asmodai, I had to push myself to kind of learn to sculpt fingers a bit better. Mm. Um, and this was done for a, a, a kind chap, Mamikon, and he, um, we, we discussed quite a lot of things. And uh, yeah, it was, you know, pushing myself on likes of the hands and just trying to get those kind of, you know, geometric shapes are very difficult when sculpting, you know, those kind of straight lines, anything, you know, a, a circle, they'll cause you problems. You know, skulls, it sounds really silly to say, but you've got leeway with a skull. You know, mm. it's got, they all come in different shapes and sizes, but a circle is a circle, a square is a square. And there's, there's just that, that lack of kind of leeway. So yeah. Yeah. This is definitely uh, one of my kind of, uh, I felt like I've, I've learned a lot on the, the robes with this one around. Mm. I, I must so that sword, is there something in yeah. there underneath the green stuff? There is, yeah. That's another sword. Ah, okay. Um, so um, I was looking for, essentially what I was looking for is something like typically Dark Angel. It needed to be that right shape. Mm. And that was an old Deathwing plastic sword. The problem was, is this is a Primaris model. Mm. So where you see the power node roughly on that sword is where his hand was. Oh, Okay. <laughs> So yeah. what I had to do is so I've had to shave his hand off and then use that same plastic piece that was his hand and extend the blade. Yeah. So I, that's really why I kind of did it over the top of the blade. Um, nowadays, if I could maybe do it over plastic card, my only issue is it just doesn't have the rigidity possibly that would be needed. And uh, I like to make sure that the models are sturdy because irrespective of whether it's a uh, display piece or not i just i would hate to think that something's going to pop off yeah. <laughs> you know um, yeah absolutely yeah you know and the my only kind of like the biggest thing for me is rivets whenever i kind of do a model for somebody there's no way for me to secure those rivets on other than green stuff to green stuff mm. i could try and put a dot of glue but if you've ever had glue and green stuff contact each other it hardens yeah. You know, it really does. It just, it just kind of like it seems to be an activator for the super glue, and the super glue just kind of goes off. Um, so I, all the rivets, uh, they're, they're that's why when I send things away, you know, I wrap them in bubble wrap like you wouldn't believe. Yeah, I can imagine. Just to keep it all safe and sound. But you wouldn't want to put all that work in and have stuff pop off, would you? Yeah, well, that's it exactly. And I've done it a few times. Let me add that that is something that I do even to this day. I'll damage stuff or I'll get carried away as I'm sure you'll know, Ben, is you'll maybe do a bit too much green stuff in and then you go, oh yes, I've got that perfect. And then you realize you've been holding the previous detail that you were happy with. with oh, your I finger. hate that so much. That's yeah. R- yeah. yeah. <clears throat> I did that today. Oh, <laughs> I did I'm that glad today I'm not on the a- only one. <laughs> yeah, no, I did that today, today on a yeah. crown, but there you go. What can you do? Yeah. There you go, Ben. <laughs> Ulrich the Slayer, mate. This this was absolutely banging. Thank you. Absolutely Thank you. brilliant. Um, I am genuinely a, a Space Wolf uh, fanboy. Everything about the Space Wolves. So when I was approached to do this one, um, it came with pressure. I, I think it was self, obviously self-imposed pressure, but I wanted to get it right. 
I wanted to How could to you give it, it away? That's what I can. If someone, <laughs> if I'd done this as a commission, I'd be like, no, nah, I'm keeping it, mate. It's kind yeah. Of like, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, uh, do you know, I, I've, um, I've kind of got used to it maybe over the past year. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, you know, I said to you guys earlier, it's like all of this stuff has kind of taken me by surprise in the sense mm. that I never really considers myself to be a sculptor. I liked to change things, but, um, it kind of snowballed early on. I mean, I did a, a Primaris Pedro Cantor for uh, Pardo over at S10 Battle Reports. And um, it just, it kind of, it really took me by surprise, like all the interest and stuff like that in it. And to kind of be to a point now where people are approaching me to do characters that they love. Uh, you know, Ulrich, like I say, it's a character I've always loved, Ulrich the Slayer. And um, I think, you know, when you're approached by somebody to do their kind of loved project, then it deserves a kind of attention. And yeah, sometimes I'm guilty of just maybe doing a little bit of too much, you know, <laughs> I care a little bit too much in the sense that um, I don't want to give it away at the end, but I consider that I've done my job right, if you get what I mean. And if yeah. I want to keep it, I've done it right. Yeah. Because uh, if I just went, no. Oh, that's that finished then i kind of feel like then i've not really i've not really give it the kind of the stuff it's due and as you said earlier ben darren latham when he uh, when he did that kind of Ulrich the slayer at ease uh, uh, you know so i've used a lot of his bits and um you know i i was contacted by him and um i i, mean, I was blown away because like i said he's i'm a fanboy i love his stuff everything he did um and has done um and uh, it was just really nice to hear that he actually he liked it. Yeah, so it was really good. Oh, that's awesome. He's a really nice guy. Yeah, yeah, as yeah. Well, so it's, it's nice. It's nice that you got in contact with you and and um, and said that. Yeah, yeah, very much so. A goblin. <laughs> yeah, a goblin with a, a little goblin. baby squig. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I was uh, this. I rarely get to do kind of AOS stuff. I mean, I do like doing AOS stuff. The sculpts for AOS are just, they're just another level. But um, this, I believe, was a Skaven yeah. priest. Is that right? Yeah. So, um, and it was really just a question of taking away everything Skaven and um, and just kind of adding all those little gobliny bits on. <laughs> um, and the baby squig thing, that was... I didn't, you can't really see it. I wasn't very kind of good, but essentially he's got one leg that's longer than the other. Because um, <laughs> I, I wanted to have that narrative that it was actually a little deformed one, but it's now become his body. <laughs> and he's kind of, you know, it, it's one of those things. So, um, yeah, there's, I'm pretty sure along the lines, there's something I did to make it like there was something wrong with his other foot. I think it was maybe missing its claws. Something like that, yeah. It was, but it's <laughs> it's just a fun little thing. When do you get to do like mushrooms growing out of a staff for no reason? They got no absolutely. Right just do it anyway. So when you when you when you come to a problem, I mean, this is a great. The next one up is the Chaos Lord. When you when you come to a project, obviously a lot of the time, by the sounds of it, is someone's coming to give you a commission. Yeah, um, I'm guessing some of the times it's just because you fancy doing it. This one was mm -hmm. for a friend, I think, wasn't it? The Chaos Lord. Um, um, this is 
Yeah, sorry. Um, yeah, Sebastian has become a friend because of this. Oh, right, I see. Um, yeah, brilliant. Yeah, yeah I'd, I'd actually done um, Huron Blackheart for him. Yeah. Mm. Um, I'd done that for him, and um, he approached me about a Corn Lord, and, uh, yeah, I, it just, he just, he gave me the license to go crazy. Um, <laughs> yeah. I love yeah. it. And this is the the face on it. We've talked already about faces. And mm. It's just brilliant, isn't it? Thank you. Well, yeah, you, you're, you're not going to say yeah. You know, yeah, it's it's brilliant, mate. I, you know, <laughs> yeah. It is, Baz. It's brilliant. <laughs> well, thank you, thank you. It's um, it's the faces. Like I say, I I've only done uh, like a, a few at the moment, um, and for kind of like. Uh, for someone like the, I, I think I said before, it's like you have a little bit of leeway with something that has such a, a strong expression. You mm. have, I, I guess, a, a little bit more leeway in the sense of you can make a few mistakes, or your your um, all of your details can be sharper than they should be. You know, on a face, you don't necessarily get all these sharp angles, but with a corn lord, that's obviously just lost his mind with all the nails the butcher's nails and let alone with the influence of corn you can just go to town you know um i took a lot of influences from the model that i sculpted over the top which was the slaughter priest as you rightly said dan yeah. before um you know with the that horrible split lip you know i mean i've done a few on his around his mouth and you just think just how painful would that be? <laughs> you know, <laughs> he's got sharp teeth, I know, but I mean, he's just got cracks all through the, like the, the upper lip. And yeah, that was, I really did enjoy doing him. Um, and Sebastian, um, yeah, he's, he's such a really cool guy, Sebastian. So it was a pleasure to do it for him. And he knocked the paint job out of the park. He really did. So. Yes. How did you do the teeth? How do you go about those kind of really fine details? Oh, right. So the teeth. Um, yeah. So obviously with teeth, the, the issue maybe people try to do is they try to get the thinness of the tooth from front to back. The depth of the tooth, they try to get that straight away, whereas I don't. So what I'll do is I'll build a wall within the mouth. So if you imagine, if, uh, like, so imagine a tongue. Yeah. You build it just like a tongue. You'll stop it just short of the lip. So if we talk about down the bottom, it'll probably be an easier example, but it's repeated at the top. And all you do then is you create a flat surface and build the front wall of the teeth. And then I'll slide, I'll go in and I'll score the teeth shape, individually mapping out my teeth. And then it, for him, I needed them to be sharp. So I sharpened the front angle of each of the tooth. So it looks sharp from the front. I still had the back fill in the back to keep the tooth strong so it doesn't flop about or fall off, which is annoying. Yeah. And then once I was content with that, then I would go back in and with my tool in behind what would now his now fresh teeth, I would pull it away and I would just pull it off of the surface. So if you can imagine, then I'm almost carving the green stuff away from the back of the teeth. After it's and dry or before it's before it's set. Before it's dry, so you, uh, I mean, you've had quite a bit of experience yourself, Ben, with it. Is there's that kind of golden window where green stuff is at its best, and I kind of think that's roughly about twenty minutes after it's mixed. Yeah, but I've kind of I've now become accustomed to working with it straight away. So mm. I will kind of do that 
straight away. And then after that 20 minute mark, it's then got enough rigidity for it to hold where it is whilst you're carving away. And then essentially it's got enough, like I say, rigidity to keep those teeth in place as you're pulling stuff away, but it's not hard enough to drag the teeth with it. If you understand. So when you're pulling mm. that away from the teeth themselves, it doesn't pull the teeth away with it necessarily. It's something that you can, you can kind of get used to different kind of techniques. You can also score behind the teeth themselves initially and then, you know, you don't have that issue, but you've got to have something to use as a, a kind of a, a, a gap fill or a stopper to stop you from pushing the teeth away from the gum line, so to speak. It's, yeah, it's, it sounds like a faff. I'm, I'm really terrible at describing. That's why the, the pandemic is, is um, as everyone is suffering from it. And obviously my gripe here is hardly... Um, anything big but i would love to show people in person because yeah yeah you know in a technological sense i'm very very limited so uh, you know I, i'd love to say that i could record videos for people and do things like that but um but i i'm i would love to kind of sit down with people and just show a few things i think would just make sculpting or getting into sculpting a bit easier mm. yeah I wanted to look at some of your painted stuff as well because uh, conscious that you right, okay. did some lovely green stuff stuff, but you're not a rubbish painter either, are you, Baz? To be fair. <laughs> oh, thank you. Um, it's um, yeah, I do. I do like painting. I really do. Um, sculpting has become something of a passion for me, without a shadow of a doubt. Um, and I think it's safe to say that I'm kind of I'm more known for the sculpting side of things, um, which is absolutely fine. Um, but I do like to dust off the old paintbrushes once in a while and slap a bit of paint on. There's, I, don't, I think there's sometimes there's nothing better, really. There isn't. You can just lose yourself in the world and kind of just get going, you know, get busy with it. So we're looking at, is this a fire hawk? What is a this? fire hawk? Yes. Firehawk, yes. Yeah. yeah. I mentioned my mate before, Welshy. He's kind of like, I call him a hobby brother. It's, you know, he's, he's the guy that kind of keeps me straight in the sense of I'll maybe show him some pictures of stuff that I'm working on. He's someone that I kind of like, um, as I've said to you guys before, I've got a few projects on. I'd love to share them, but at the minute I'm, I'm just going to keep them a little bit secret. Um, but um, he'll keep me right in the sense of, you know, the sculpt he'll maybe tell me. And, uh, mm. and uh, yeah, yeah, he, he did a a little thing at the start of the um, the pandemic where it was like everyone was feeling a bit low. So let's do a Badab Wars model. And uh, we just kind of picked a model and uh, I got Firehawks, um, which very happy about and, uh, and just kind of went about doing a few flames and some bits. But yeah, it was a, it was a lovely change up. It was something I enjoyed doing. I love the face on this guy. Um, and the saw the chainsaw where you've got the stripes the chevron bits yeah I just i don't know it just i think you've got the blood splatter and everything it just looks spot on i really like it um, thank you it's really good the faces so i'm a really basic guy when it comes to paints if i'm being honest in the sense of the way i approach it so my faces they get um a base coat of now i'm trying to think i use an old foundation paint at the minute it's talan flesh i want to say it. yeah that's cool yeah 
Yeah, yeah uh, so that and an Agrax Earthshade wash. And then all I do is I add white into that and highlight it up and then just recess wash in some, some reds around the eyes, nose and mouth. And yeah, I mean, I'd love to kind of push myself. I think we're all as hobbyists, you know, we want to do things and kind of push ourselves down with you and your vehicles and stuff like that, with your battle damage, you know, and Ben with your sculpting. I think everyone's kind of got that drive, right, to to just do a little bit maybe extra on the next project. So I think when I get the paintbrushes out again, you know, I, I kind of hope to push it a little bit. But, yeah. I know Henry, um, Henry Steele with the cult paint, he loves the bad dab war, so... He, yeah. he he's always yeah. going on about wanting to do do some bad ab stuff. So yeah, yeah. Well, that's it. Oh, I saw him doing his Titanica stuff, and he's yeah. They're all some talented guys, then you know. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Just so this bit. guy then. So you mentioned you did a Pedro Cantor, but do you? Is, yeah. is this? So do you also have a Crimson Fist army yourself? No. So. This again, this was for the boys at SN Battle Reports. Um, so I um I had a firstborn Marine Army from years back. And I kind of lost my way, as we all do. I think we all kind of have those spurts where you just go, Oh, I'm not in the hobby really at the moment. Yeah. And uh, that army just fell victim to me. Um at the time, I just needed some pennies. Um, and I was gonna reinvest it in hobby, as you do. Um and um that around that time the primaris started coming out and you know pardo was just he, he trusted me to paint some more armies and more of the army sorry and and then make some characters um he came up with an idea for a character series um so this is one of the team uh chris and you know he asked me to make chris into a, a chaplain um i work quite a lot off of primaris intercessors mm. um so i think all of the stuff that's been space marines they're all being made out of um intercessors mm. i just find them a really easy kit to um to cut up and they give you lots of options but yeah this was a another one just to work on and it gave me a little bit of practice again like to challenge myself to maybe start doing um aquilas um because that was something that i was very conscious of trying to get done um and uh yeah it's again it was another really really fun project to to see from conversion all the way up to painting mm. and where so where is the head from then is that did you say that's um... uh so i sculpted on the ears the hair and the beard on that one um i think that was like a i think he's like a communications guy but he's normally got all the kind of communication things up and around his ears and under the base of his jaw. So I think I'd shaved all of that off and then just sculpted back on, like I say, all the kind of the features um, for that. It's cool. Yeah, I liked that. Well, that's, I mean, that's all the stuff that I pulled out to chat to you yeah. about. Is there anything either Ben that you want to talk about or um, Baz that, you know, a project that you particularly want to highlight or something? Um, I wouldn't say that. I mean, I've got some really cool stuff coming without a shadow. Um, something that I'm I'm very passionate about, and I don't think it's too much of a kind of a, a, a spoiler. But um, I've been working on some Primarchs recently, um, and that's something that I would really, really kind of. I can't wait to kind of let people see that stuff. Yeah. Um, but I think that's going to be probably after it's painted. Um, I've got a few personal projects 
um, in in the kind of in my brain, let's shall we say, <laughs> I would yeah. really love to tackle a few characters. But um, no, I think um, at the moment, um, yeah, I, I think I would love to just really do a bit of painting. You know, how you swing yeah. between one or the other once. So I, I think I'll do a bit of painting, um, and then uh, yeah, and then it's on to more characters. Superb, Ben. Anything that you wanted to? No, I mean, I could pick your brains about the process for forever, I think. But um, I think you're another one of the the sculptors that I, I kind of learned from just by watching how you approach things. And I, I'd like to say I really appreciate the fact that you post work in progress because mm. because work in progress is is such a key thing for people who are learning to see yeah. how you got from A to B. And I think painting sometimes, we all know painting in a kind of intrinsic level. Um, well, we're all taught the process of painting from various videos out there. And, and there are different ways of approaching it, that, no doubt. And as you get better, you know, you can look at a model and work out roughly how it's done. But for almost anything, but most people can look at a paint scheme and think, oh, yeah, that's kind of how that's done. But with sculpting, you, you can't. You, you can't yeah. really look at an end piece and go, oh, he must have done that first and then that first. And I love the way you talk about your work in progress stuff and and you talk about how you've actually looked at a part and thought, well, how am I going to layer this? Which part am I going to do first? And then once I've done that, what comes next? And then once I've done that, when do I do this? Um, yeah, yeah. And I find that really, really helpful. Um, but when you work with the models, let's, start, let's just take Ulrich the Slayer for, for a start. Do you, do, you, yeah. do you start with sketches or is it all brain hammer? Um, so I'm fortunate in the sense that a lot of people approach me to replicate um, artwork. Yeah. Um, so if it's just a case of replicating artwork, then no. I mean, I don't I don't think I sketch a lot, if I'm being honest. Um, I can I, – I just kind of – I do a kind of like a, a few mock-ups – with the models themselves um i'll just pin the legs in a few places and kind of you know because i mean with a paper clip you can still bend it around you can still mm. fiddle with it and you can um and then go from there um the you know the likes of the corn lord was just very much off the cuff you know it was more a case of sebastian wanted there to be movement um a lot of movement and a sense of kind of like a real aggression so it kind of you know, these, I, I do appreciate these guys trust me a lot with a, a passion project of theirs. So, yeah, I, um, I just, I really do a lot of it just kind of feel, if that makes sense. Mm, yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I, sometimes I think, uh, certainly when I'm building models and from from bits, that sometimes you look at it and, I mean, you probably know my background is as, as a doctor. Yeah. Um so I've, I've studied anatomy a fair bit and I'll put, I'll put something together and I'll be like, anatomically, there's nothing wrong with that, but it yeah. looks stupid. So yeah. <laughs> I'll feel yeah. dumb and I'll do it again. Yeah. Um, but it, so it has a lot of gut feeling where it, 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 it's just got to feel right, hasn't it? The, you, when you look at the model, it's just got to make sense. And if it doesn't, it doesn't matter whether it's right or not. It, yeah. If it doesn't make sense, it's not, it's not right. Well, I think um, that's the kind of the natural thing that, and again, that's kind of like the ways I, I got started into sculpting is it was that exactly where I was like, you know, I've got this thing, I've built it 
and to be honest with you, it was a case of I don't have enough pieces. I can't yeah. just grab something and just do that. So it was it was very much a case of just um, you know, I'll make do with what I have. Yeah. And uh, you know, green stuff at the time when I started was relatively inexpensive. Um and it's still it's a lot is. more expensive now, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. But when you think like the in, the entry level to sculpting in comparison to maybe painting, mm. um, you know, um green stuff, you know, maybe 15, 20 quid for a massive roll. Mm. Um, and then you know, you sculpt into pools at 10 quid and you're pretty much good to go. Um or, or yeah. do what Valbion does and use a toothpick. <laughs> I mean, or use a toothpick. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, exactly. And I've and that's the thing, is like and I, I do genuinely appreciate that you you know that you're maybe getting something out of my posts in the sense that I would love to be able to share stuff and you know, but I'm technologically just I'm just not good enough at it at the moment. And you know, I'm gonna lean on guys when I can actually, in the sense of actually have them around to my house and yeah. actually ask some questions. But um but no, um, I, I find, you know, with Val Bjorn, I learned a lot about hair sculpture from watching him do it um, and his processes. You know, I by no means do I think because I do it my way, it's the right way. So I'll watch somebody do their way and then see if their way actually makes sense to me. Um, and I think that's something that I would love because I feel like sometimes people think that it just happens, you know, and there's there really is no replacement for people um it sounds really really boring but just get some green stuff and even if it's on an old kitchen tile that's another thing put it mm. on an old kitchen tile and if you think to yourself i'm just going to try this out then try it on the kitchen tile don't try it on a model you spent 30 40 quid on and if it goes wrong you've ruined it why yeah. don't you try it on a kitchen tile first if it works at most, you've wasted about 50 pence in green stuff. And then you've got practice ready for going onto the model. I, th I think one of the things, perhaps more with sculpting than painting, is is that there is a lot of style. You know, there's a lot of people's style. I mean, I, to, to the sense that I can almost look at someone's first sculpt yeah. and, and tell you who did it <laughs> to a degree. Yeah, yeah. Um, and, I mean, your fur is a really good example of uh, you compare it to Valbjorn, who is also does fur. Yeah. They both look like fur, but they're both completely different. And it's yeah, up to people to so. kind of make their mind up which one, which style they want to go for. And yeah, I'd love to. I'd love to sit and watch you do like the fur that you do because it looks thinner and that that might kind of almost like it's floating in the wind. Like you can like more games yeah. of thrown like it's almost like there's movement to it as well, well so. so the reason why that's like it was and that's all down to um simon egan the forge wall door I, I don't know if he still works there but he did a lot of obviously the primarchs mm. and uh yeah it's his fault essentially <laughs> it's it's the same type of fur that's on lehman ross and porous yeah and when i saw it i was like well how yeah. how do you do that you know yeah. and their stuff is just incredible to see. And it's, you know, it's the most flattering thing I can do is try and copy it, I think, you yeah. know. And and if someone feels that way in any way about some of my stuff or any instructional stuff I've put on, then it's it may sound kind of, but that, that really is its own reward, genuinely. And that's kind of why I put so many working projects, uh, process pictures up is because I just, 
I would like somebody to see how I maybe go about tackling the complex jobs. Because so yeah. many times with green stuff in is people try to take too much on at once. And um, they end up it, smushing it with their yeah, fingers. Yeah. And I still <laughs> do it, did it today. Oh, but no, you do. You just, it's all about, for me personally, as I break those big jobs down into smaller chunks. Yeah. And that way you don't have that time pressure in your mind to go in. This green stuff is going to start setting in a half an hour. Oh no, I'm, I'm running out of time. So that's the way I kind of juggle things. Absolutely. Ace. Brilliant. So um, what's, what's the plan after your Primark project then? Um, Moving forward. Moving forward. So I would really love to get back to some of my um, custodies. I did a custodian army. Um, before the world that was and uh and um i would love to get back and maybe add a few things to them um i have some kind of like some really exciting stuff in the in the works in the sense of some really really talented painters that i would love to work with so i'm maybe going to put my neck on the kind of line and just approach some of them and just say should we do a figure um that would be really really cool because uh, in a very kind of greedy sense i would love to own some of their their work <laughs> so, yeah, no, yeah absolutely yeah. and sometimes you, you know the the minute or the hobby is a big world now yes and yeah i think put your neck out on the line or you know stick your head above the parapet and yeah and, and say you know do you do you want to come on our like small fry podcasts and talk about your awesome sculpting. I <laughs> just got to do it. <laughs> well, it's in the same sense though, but you know, it's, it's guys like yourselves that kind of are reaching out to the smaller, like the smaller parts of the community. Um, mm. And it is, it's great for the hobby because it just kind of shows how varied a background everybody is from, you know, there's, yeah. it's, it's not that kind of thing where it was before where it was like, Oh, shh, I, I do Warhammer. You know, you don't, <laughs> it's not that secret anymore. And it, because it was back in the day, but now it's, it's so open and guys like yourselves giving attention to artists and hobbyists alike. And it's, I, I really do. I mean, the Instagram community, which is where I mainly am, if I'm being honest is yeah. it's so, so good for, any sort of kind of creative um, hobbyists, artists. It's just, it's so good. And um, yeah, I, I would say, you know, pretty much every part of my experience on that has just been absolutely wonderful. So um, yeah. And, and obviously, like I say, talking to guys like yourself, I mean, that would never have happened if it wasn't for, you know, um, the likes of Instagram and, and the oh, toy soldiers that we all love. So I think that's a wonderful thing to say actually because it, it, so often the internet and social media i suppose can highlight the less good bits i suppose yeah. of the community <laughs> i think is probably a polite way to put it yeah. but it is important to you know it's easy to focus on the negative isn't it but it's important to remember that actually it has driven a whole load of incredible interactions uh, yeah. uh, uh, and and etc that just wouldn't have been possible otherwise you know to where once upon a time your work would maybe be shared with the people in your local games workshop or, or local little store um and then maybe you know if it was really top tier you, you might see it in white dwarf perhaps yeah whereas now yeah. you know you can get it out there and it gets seen around the world um yeah 
for people to, to feed back on. So, yeah, it is good to remember that. Yeah, very much so. Very much so. Cool. Well, I think um, that would be a great point to wrap up the community section because I, I think that's been fantastic. I've really enjoyed chatting through. I, I think the only problem I have with this is with Valbjorn and now yourself, I'm just wanting to do some green stuff and I don't normally do any green stuff. And I haven't really got time in my hobby in my life to fit more different things in but yeah. you, you guys are making me you know between ben starting it off and then um and then chatting to you guys you just oh, i just want to grab some stuff and, and have yeah. a go so yeah oh dear another thing on the list <laughs> so with that in mind then we will um we will wrap up the community and we will head into the wilds Hi guys, and welcome to Into the Wilds, where we've got a few things to talk about. I'm going to carry on talking about my role play um, with experience with aliens. Um, we're going to cover off a bit of Flames of War, and then we might end up talking about marshmallows at some point, which was... We need to quantify... No, let's just open with the marshmallows. So <laughs> we were talking about hobbies. We were talking about hobbies, and Baz said Warhammer's the greatest hobby, which it obviously is. But I did chuck in there that actually toasting marshmallows would be a pretty awesome hobby. You could um, have a whole a whole kind of year working out which are the best biscuits to make schmools with. Ah, see, that's another level. We didn't even get oh. into that just now, did we? Because we talked about the variations between the mini ones, the normal ones, and the large mm. ones. Different types of fuel for and the, toasting. And the heat source, yeah. 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 S'mores. So, yeah. Anybody out there that knows any good sort of Instagram people to follow for marshmallow tasting, <laughs> let us know because we're excited. Chocolate, <laughs> chocolate, chocolate hobnob has to be the winner, surely. Chocolate hobnob. Oh, yeah, that's quite good. Right, I, don't know, so... I like an Oreo. An Oreo. <gasps> a wagon um, wheel. Yeah. Is a wagon wheel a biscuit, though? That's the thing. A wagon wheel is kind of a schmores that went wrong and became like... Do they even make them anymore? Yeah, but they're more like mini wheels. Like I was going to say, I bet they're smaller. <laughs> I bet they're real yeah. small. Yeah. Right, so... <laughs> on the, Into the world. <laughs> um, so um, we finished off our campaign for um, the Chariot of the Gods, which was the Aliens one, which was super awesome. Really, really cool. Um, that's the starters kit box set. Um, it comes with that in it already. And we had a real laughter in that. And I, th I think the only thing that I would say is I played it with me, Dungeons Master, me DMing, or um, as Mother, which is quite cool. If you're the DM in, in uh, if you're the GM in the game, you're the game Mother, as on the, the computer, which I thought <laughs> was really cool. And, um, I think that it needed the five characters because you give like one of the characters, um, this is spoiler alert for anyone who's wanting to be a player of this. One of the characters can end, can end up being an Android. Um, and so I ended up having to play that character as well as being the, the, the GM and it worked fine, but it would have been even cooler if you'd had players with individual thought playing that character 
uh, and then another one playing the company rep trying to undermine everything and then you know it would have been really cool um but it was excellent and i'm really a fan of the system um to the degree that i i really kind of couldn't work out how you could play a horror but they've got a because I've never done a role play horror, but they've got this system in it for stress where the more stressful things that happen to you, the more stressed dice you roll. And every action you want to perform, you roll your normal dice, which would be like the number of, say your strength plus close combat is you've got strength of three and a close combat of two. You'd roll five dice every time you wanted to hit something. But then as you got more stress, your dice would go up. So you'd become more likely to hit them but you'd be more likely to end up in a, like a gibbering heap on the floor because if you roll a one on a stress dice, it's, you have to roll on the stress chart. And if you're stre- the higher your stress level gets, the worse that gets. So you can end up like a, in a catatonic wreck or just sort of running around in circles with your pants on your head and p- pencils in your head. But yeah, it's really, really good. Um, and I've, what I liked about it looking into that a bit more is in the campaign because what that scenario is called is cinematic play and you're kind of dead clear at the start of cinematic play session that it's one kind of contained adventure and you are not guaranteed to survive it um (laughs) now i was quite nice to my characters but the way you're supposed to write it is that you give you bring other characters in that the players can take over if you wanted them to so you're kind of not supposed to fall in love with your character too much because this is alien and they could just get wiped <laughs> out straight away you know um which was quite cool because there was like one part of the story where they were moving across the surface of the ship and there was a, a thing on the ship surface that was actually a um abomination sort of in a in a spacesuit sort of just asleep and one of the characters was like oh i'm gonna come off of the ship so i don't make a noise and, and float past it and he failed that completely and was drifting <laughs> off into space. And then he was like, oh, I'm going to try and grab hold. That Ross. Failed. Yeah. And then he was like, oh, I'm going to use my grapple. And like, this is it, man. If you fail this, you are, you know, you are floating away. And the last of character would be like, oh. And he managed to make it. So it was, it, was, it was a cool moment because you don't get that kind of stuff. I don't think in Dungeons and Dragons, there's always like a little bit of a, you know, a second chance, as it were. And if you, if you die... You can be resurrected, whereas in this, you no, you're gone, you're gone, you're gone. But um, for the campaign mode, if you suffer an injury, I can last like the whole thing, and that applies equally to the psychological effects. So you can end up with post-traumatic stress for your character and that kind of stuff. Um, I've, I'm sure it's in things like Cthulhu, but I've never come across it because I don't play those kind of things. But um, I really liked it. I really liked the way it worked. And I think one of the things I've been more and more keen about in a lot of aspects of our hobby, um, or or science fiction and fantasy in general, is the psychological effects of what people are going through reflecting on their character. And I know we've spoken about this before, but some of the best Star Trek that there was was Picard's after effects of being the Borg. Yeah, you know, where he there's a whole episode where he just goes home and has to recover from that trauma. And okay, it's, it's only an episode, and in the grand scheme of things, that is perhaps simplifying things a little bit. But you know, another good example of his character is when he's playing the flute, which is something that he learned how to do 
when the the probe from a species dragged his mind into it and then made him live the life, the whole life of a character, a person, yep. as they experience the apocalypse on their planet and watching, including the the the, the, you know, the birth and death of his children, um, and that traumatizes him deeply. And every time you see the flute or see him playing the flute and like looking out the window, you know that he's remembering those kids that, as far as he's concerned, were his children. We need more of that because. I think it just adds a bit of depth because or the depth that is missing from a lot of fantasy and science fiction where people go through this really horrendous stuff and they're completely fine. And Ripley is almost, for me, one of the archetypal characters that is, especially in Alien, she's terrified. Yeah. She's terrified right from the start of the film. She's always been terrified right at the end, but she still manages to get through all of those things. And it's it's as much about her fear as it is anything else and that's what makes her su- such a superb character but anyway yeah. i could rant on about that and that's why we we were like super chuffed to um support 40k 40 hours of 40k as well because it's going to um campaign against living miserably which is a yeah, pretty much so. brilliant cause very much so and um so moving on from that we've started a new pathfinder campaign which is going to be cool um, I'm DMing that one as well. Um, I'm really excited about that. Why did you choose Pathfinder? Because um, everyone knew it. Okay. And it's free. <laughs> you can get the you can get the books as a free PDF. <laughs> uh, and my brother was getting involved, and um, I didn't want there to be massive. Uh, and you know, a couple of the other guys hadn't got the books either, so you know, I wanted there to be a minimal kind of paywall to be getting involved. Um, and I found a, a map making software on the internet and then spent like up, was up until three o'clock in the morning making maps because that's what we do because we're lunatics, right? <laughs> um, yeah, but they're quite cool. I know I'll show you some bands so they're brilliant. I'm, yeah, I'm yeah, quite cool. Up them. Um, it's, yeah, they it's, are good. It's not, um, it's not Tolkien level stuff, but it's you know, it's getting there. It's good, it's good, it's good. I think it's called Ink. First, I'll just look that up, actually. Um, no, I've done that. I've absolutely... Uh, I don't think I... Incarnate, it's called, with a K. Incarnate. Really, really good. Um, there's a paywall, obviously, if you want the f- access to the full thing, but actually there is... Um, there's a f- kind of a free version of it, which you do a pretty good job with. Yeah, if you don't mind that, some limitation. That's me, and uh, I'm quite again another silver lining from from COVID, I suppose, is that you know I'm role playing with my brother who lives in Glasgow, which I don't think would have happened if it wasn't for learning how to do all this digital nonsense um, for work, and then for meeting up and painting with people that you can't meet up and paint with. It's been it is a silver lining that I think. I'll, I'll look back with some positivity. Yeah. Yeah, I, yeah, I agree. I mean, we used to do this. What did we used to do? We used to ring each other, didn't we? And then record each other's half of the conversation on Audible. Audacity, and then yeah, on Audacity, Audacity and then share that. So 
which was fine. I mean, uh, to be honest, it was amazing. I spoke to quite a few people who were doing podcasts or setting them up and were like, but how do you manage to do it where you record in two different locations? And then when I tell them and they're like, oh, yeah, that's like super simple. And I'm I'm like, yeah, well, that's just how our brains worked. (laughs) We didn't have enough string to have a cup and string. So we uh, we did it this way instead. Um, yeah, so I did discuss in the last time, I, I started looking at Flames of War. Um, basically, I've always wanted to do a bit of um, historical gaming of any sort. And I, I'm, I'm very interested in tanks. I like tanks. They're big and... Rrr. So um, I went to the tank museum. And, that uh, technical description yeah though. it is that is yeah, yeah 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 i think that's what all the tank experts well when i was first <laughs> when i still live in plymouth you know a great friend of mine and he uh he was big into his world war ii history and, and we went to bovington tank museum and and i just remember being blown away like i i had been playing warhammer and like playing with land raiders and and things like that and and seeing Neiman Russes. But then when I walked in and I stood next to a King Tiger, I was just like, oh, my flipping days. This is ridiculous. Started to grasp what a tank really was about. And um, so anyway, I've never actually got around to doing any of that. But Tom, a friend of mine, Tom and I said, this year we're going to paint, even if we just paint one model, going to do some kind of historical. So we ended up choosing Flames of War because 15 mil is a nice scale for painting. Um, whereby you can get the infantry done in a good time but the tanks stand out they're big enough to be have some kind of presence painting wise so we bought the starter set which is it's incredible it, it you get the two it's 32 pounds from most sites um i think it's 40 pounds retail but you get um you get a german force and an american force in there so you get eight sherman tanks uh and three panzer four tanks which is quite a lot you know for, for what you get so we've got that tom's started painting his i haven't yet but i have done the typical dan thing so the, they did a they've done a, like a time with vallejo where they've done some paint sets and you get there's a utility paint set which is eight colors and that's like your core and then if you're going to do Germans, for example, then you get the German infantry painting set. And then that's your cut. Then the two together make up what you need for them. Mm. And then you can get German tanks because the Germans like were quite experimental with all their camouflage. There's loads of paint sets for them. Um, well, I say loads. There's, I think there's four, actually. Whereas like the Americans, where everything was just green, they were there's only one expansion for them. Um so I've got all the paints and we actually, I spent a little bit of time, the utility set, we split between us. So I spent a bit of time with some empty dropper bottles, dividing it out into two. So we each had both the colours. But he started his, which means I'm behind now. So I need to crack on and, and get on with that, really. Um, but it's really interesting getting into another game because it's not as simple like seriously their website their shop is absolutely atrocious it's just not very good you get so used to games workshop where you go on and it quite clearly says getting started or warhammer and then you just go through i i 
it took quite a bit of time just to find the starter set on their website, which is mad, isn't it? Really, when you think about it. <laughs> And like the paint, and the paints, the paints I ended up having to buy from various people on Amazon because I couldn't find the paint sets. And and I I I mean I admit probably because of the pandemic and difficulties with moving stuff around has meant some of the stores over here because it's it's, it's New Zealand I think Battlefront Miniatures, so maybe it's taken time to ship and stuff. But it was a lot harder than you would have thought. I would say that, you know, it, it, to the point where I almost just gave up. And I think if it wasn't for the fact that I was doing it with Tom, I, I and he was very keen, I probably would have just given up, um, which is just mental, isn't it, really, <laughs> when you think about it. I, I really love that paint set idea. And I I, I love the Vallejo paint sets where they do that. So, like, non-metal metallic gold paint set, done. Um, it makes things a lot easier. And Games Workshop did used to do that. You I know, was just they, about to say, I do remember the old sets. Yeah, and you, you buy the core paint set, and then there was the Space Marine paint set. And in fact, I still have the How to Paint Space Marine brochure that came in, the Space Marine paint set, and I still do. And if anyone wants an example of how I still use that, my Assault Intercessor Sergeant has the has the eye stripes, the diamond eye stripes, which are on the Space Wolf Captain in that very pamphlet. You know, it's, you know, it made an inf- it made an like, had an impact, and I think, um, I think that's a really cool thing. You know, I think it's a really cool way of doing it, and I and I do wish the Games Workshop did it. So didn't they experiment you know, <clears throat> with it again not that long ago with like mini pots? I'm sure they had. A little pack of like they had them on the yeah on the tail point they were more the kind of starter set kind of paint set things wasn't it Mm. it was it was but i I know what you mean ben it's more like a a specific set for i mean used to have one if i remember rightly it was orcs yeah was definitely one of the sets right elder elder was one exactly i mean they they obviously they can't necessarily do that but it's something similar right you know for people as you say I know you've got a paint set, but I mean, yeah, a couple of more specific things like that would be lovely. And they've they've spent the last three or one five, let's say five years, I think, realistically, mm. getting right those entry points. Which we're all we've all been staff members here before, and we've talked about this on the podcast before. Before it was it was the white dwarf, and it was the starters kit. Yeah, and there was nothing in between. And now there is multiple entry points, and. I, I, you know, if you think about if you're a hobbyist approaching something, um, then how cool would it be to have the painting videos linked in with a paint set that had 10 paints in and you went, I am going to collect ultramarines and and then you, you got like the core paint set and you could buy the you could buy the ultramarines paint set and then Peachy's doing a video on this. It wouldn't be Peachy, would it? It would be Baton doing the Ultramarines one. But you know what I'm saying? Um, and, it, and he goes, "This is using this paint set. This is we're going to paint an Ultramarine." That's that's it all wrapped up in a nice little package. There you go. So I think it's a great idea that they've got because I wouldn't know a first thing, and I I probably dig myself a massive, great big historical hole trying to work out exactly what color 
the you know the big red one infantry the american infantry had on their fatigues and then i'd be going through the vallejo and like oh which one is it that one or is it that one and then you'd be on the forums whereas if you go oh what the americans said there you go dumb that's that's brilliant Absolutely i think brilliant. that's one well that, that that's also one of the drivers behind the 15 mil is because you've got less to worry about need yeah. to really worry about the ins and outs and actually there's an argument that says that for all the people that getting worried about the colors <laughs> but certainly by certainly in the late war when germany was um obviously running out of all sorts Everything. of stuff uh, uniforms were coming out in all sorts of colors mm. you know plus then you've got the actual combat element and things yes. like so there's a panther tank in Boving, bovington tank museum which is in like a red and um ochre camouflage scheme and the reason for that is the red is the primer color and they didn't have n- enough paint so they were only using like some they it used less paint because they could just basically put this ochre on in certain patches um because they didn't they didn't have enough paint for for doing it you know um so but but what sort of unlocked it a bit for me because much like you ben i i do worry a bit about colors for, for historical was this colors of war book which is um by battlefront but it covers how to paint um well yeah the different um the different types of uh units and tanks and and things like that and i think there's a few historical i don't know how well Maybe Warlord do it a bit, but there's a couple of historical places. Could you learn a lot from Games Workshop and all its painting videos and stuff? Because they they are barriers. Yeah, getting the uniforms right and stuff. Yeah, definitely, definitely. So yeah, there we go. We've covered marshmallows and (laughs) Alien and World War Two. Perfect. That sounds like a Good evening. Very wild session. (laughs) (laughs) Even in front of the telly. Yeah. All we need is My Little Pony and you've rounded off the weirdness. Joshua started watching it. It's because it's badass. That's why, because you told me it was really good. It is amazing. To my shame, and, and I do, you know, ultimately... I love my children, whatever they decide they want to play with. But I was watching it, and it's so pink, man. I was like, <laughs> oh, But Joshua. Pinkie Pie is just amazing. She's just yeah, amazing. Yeah. No. Yeah. No, there's one that's, like, got rainbows coming out of his ass. That's, um, yeah, Rainbow <laughs> Dash. Flying around. It's she, just mad. Dude, she, she goes so fast, she creates rainbows. I mean, if that's not epic, then what is? Yeah. Uh, yeah. All right, then. Learn, but, learn to love it, man. Embrace it, and it is awesome. No, honestly. I'm. I'm. I. We got back to Octonauts for a minute. I because I got just. I can't be dealing with it. But the first episode, I realised how awesome it was. Is when they they go to tackle this dragon, and um, they all go up and they're all like loving it. Apart from this one called Fluttershy, is just a bit, bit uh, shy and nervous. Obviously, is in the name, and they get to the top of this mountain and they're all trying to beat this dragon. And it ends up they're not doing very well. And then Fluttershy steps in, loses her plot, and she's like, you are a naughty dragon! And the dragon's like, oh, I'm really sorry. 
was like, oh, that was so good. It's Fluttershy, the one that has the like little bunnies and stuff that help her. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah see, I know too much already. I it's good. It's great. I love it. <laughs> see, see, this is where I'm. I'm glad I've got slightly older kids now. Um, so, yeah. I mean, my youngest now is 11 years old. So, it's uh, yeah. It's I remember too much of um. Yeah, in the night garden for in the night for, garden needs a good old drop pod of salt. Oh, oh my <laughs> god! Yeah, yeah, it's just it really you just wonder what they were taking when they were making that one up. But yeah, yeah, it I'm, wasn't I'm, legal, whatever it was. Oh, exactly, exactly. <laughs> but, um, no, that's it. Like my oldest now, she's turning twenty-one this year, so that keeps me uh, yeah, that keeps me worried in a completely different way. But yeah, yeah. I always, whenever I see Eagle Piggle like prancing off into the night garden with his blanket i just think of drop pods <laughs> death wind drop pods initially <laughs> that's how that's how it should go on the on the announcement tomorrow games workshop has signed a deal with the bbc for uh, uh, in yeah. the night garden 40k yes. over episode the new animation directed by dan <laughs> anyway so Baz, thanks so much for joining us. It's yeah, been an so absolute good. pleasure. Um, definitely when the world returns to normal, there, hopefully we'll get the chance to meet up in person. Because, um, yeah, absolutely brilliant. Thank you very, very much. Really appreciate no, well, th- it. Thank you, Jens. It's been, uh, genuinely, I mean, you know, it's just been like a, the best compliment I give us, just like a hobby session where you sit around a table and you talk. Yeah. That's absolutely. It, you know, sometimes... You talk about ponies. But sometimes, <laughs> sometimes, you, sometimes you talk about miniatures. But no, it's it's been uh, it's been wonderful, and uh, and thank you for having me. It's uh, it's really good. You're very welcome. Um, you can find Baz as Anfarius on Instagram, but something like that. A A N P H, and it'll probably come up. <laughs> and um, if not, then obviously we'll put his links all over the release post for this. Um, you can find us if you've just come across us on Podbean or whatever at, at the Two Peas Podcast on pretty much anything. You'll find us there. Um, cheers for joining us, and we'll see you for episode 68, getting close to 70. Ooh. I know, we've gone on a while, haven't we? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Bye, guys. Bye now. <laughs>